On the eastern side of Russia is where his mission began. And he's trying to learn English, but it's really hard. Like, is it onto ants? Now he's turning into a pumpkin. He got a job with Paul Revere. Oh wait, oh no, now he's doing something else. Can't hold a job for more than a year. And it's S E D C Sleuth. Maybe he's third, and maybe not it's you. Fucking from 15. Senior society. Now Stevie watches Lincoln. Eats snappers as a meal. And he's hanging up there in the Dexter Main. Talking Reagan with his pal Neil. A writer and a poet. Quoting Hefner and his robes. And he said he formed them at the Big Spring Party. So damn that school must blow. And he says he the DC Sleuth. Maybe he's third or maybe not Fucking pumpkin feet, see in society, and it's S E the DC sleuth into the wind like a Bitcoin douche. Fucking pumpkin feet, see in society. Well, welcome back to episode two of Enough About Steve, the Enough About Me tribute show, of course, to Kirk's very first podcast. Obviously, Jared Carabas led him to podcasting and then he took the ball and ran with it. So um, loved Enough About Me. And my first guest on Enough About Steve was Kirk Minahan last year. But today I have one of the producers of Enough About Me and... Of course, we all know him, Dave Cullinane, producer of KMS. Morning, Carl. It's uh, dinner time here and breakfast where you are. How are you? Yep. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Good evening. Uh, yeah, that's right. That is funny, the intro. I don't know. Do you remember? I don't remember how many episodes of Enough About Me I got under my belt. I feel like I only actually produced one, I think. <laughs> the Dershowitz one or the one before? Uh, so I don't think I touched the Dershowitz one. I don't think I actually edited it. It was the Netflix one that he recorded after it, maybe I forget, or maybe it was before. I, yeah. I can't even remember now, but best case scenario, I was in that studio with him for two episode recordings at least. And then I don't know if I actually edited the other ones, which is, it's still wild to look back on and think about now. It's just yeah. I had crazy. to listen to um, some of them this afternoon, trying to find where you appeared in them. And one thing that struck me was that Kirk really didn't talk about as much on air as he does on KMS because of the overlords at Intercom. So you had to kind of go online and to the Minifan show to find out what happened to you. Uh, yep. But yeah, I couldn't find sort of much of you in the Enough About Me feed. Um, yeah. I remember being nervous. Just sorry, before you go on, I remember yeah. being nervous because I think it was, um, was it, were MHB and, and DEC, were they around back then? Like they, oh, absolutely. So they interviewed They kept Kirk me. alive, don't you remember? So they started the Minifan show while he was on Kirk and Callahan. Is that how that all happened? Yep, I think so. Okay, so we yeah, I forget how it came around. So I felt I remember texting Kirk after he hired me because they wanted to interview me on the Minifan show for getting hired, I believe. And I was on a I was on a bachelor party and I remember like being nervous and I texted Kirk and it was, I, I was like, are you OK if I do this interview? And he's like, yeah, just don't break any news. 
And I didn't, I mean, I was like, I don't, I don't think we have any news to break. So I don't know what I would, what I would do. But I just remember being super nervous for that interview because it was like the a final day of a, a bachelor party. I did it from a hotel and all this stuff. And I, I don't know. I just remember being nervous for that moment. So that that's, it's even funny to hear names like DEC and MHB now. It's I need like, to think you were nervous going on that shit podcast. Well, it was just like, it wasn't nervous about like talking to them. It was more about like how Kirk would react to that. And I kind of felt douchey. Like I haven't even started the job and here I am saying yes to these guys. And I don't know, it was just kind of insane. But yeah, those were, those were interesting times for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to talk about all that in this edition of Enough About Steve. Um, I almost said Enough About Me, but Enough About Steve. We've got a lot to get through. Um, You know, one thing I loved about Enough About Me is quite often Kirk was talking to people I didn't really know, but he just made them interesting. You know, they were Boston personalities that being from Sydney, I never heard of, but he was able to, you know, touch on the interesting parts of their life. And, you know, Kirk's such a great interviewer. So look, I'm not a good as interviewer as Kirk. So I don't know how interesting I'm going to make Carl to all the the listeners and viewers out there, but I'm going to try my best. Um, for those looking out for Men is Live, Men is Live is coming back. It's not dead. Uh, I'm just focusing on enough about Steve for the next little while, but then Men is Live will be back soon. Um, so, yeah, look, Men is Live is not dead. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to talk to Carl. So, Carl, I mean, let, let's start to on the latest show, actually, um, well, uh, Wednesday's show. Kirk said he thought you probably were a nervous kid. Uh, is that right? Were you a sort of nervous kid? I don't think so. I, I think I definitely do give off kind of like nervous energy. I think I have undiagnosed ADD for sure. Like that's a that's just a definite. I think things just like pop into my head and, and I spit them out just kind of like randomly. It, it is weird. Uh, there is something about I've wanted to be in radio like I want to be in radio since I was a, a kid. Um, there's something, and I feel like it happens with a lot of other radio personalities. It's something about like being behind a microphone where you're almost like more honest. You would think it would be the opposite, but you're like, I'm more comfortable with the microphone. And I think maybe there's kind of this like awkward energy of jitteriness to it. I, I don't know. I'm definitely, I'm still getting used to that room. So I, I don't think it's so much about being nervous when I was a kid. It's just still, it's a different type of atmosphere, getting used to it. I, I don't think I'm nervous in there, but it's it's impacting me in some way. But so I would answer, no, I, I wasn't a nervous kid by, by any stretch of the means. Okay. So, uh, you know, what was Junior Carl like then? I know what you have a big family, like five siblings. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm the youngest imagine, of six. What was that? I'm the youngest of six. Wow. So I imagine it was pretty wild and being the baby. Um, you probably spoiled little brat. Is that the way yep. it was? Or absolutely, yep, absolutely. My mom, mama's boy, uh, spoiled the shit out of me. Went like went everywhere she went, almost just to like get shit from her. Like I would go to Walmart with her, so she would buy me like three DVDs. And back then, that was like kind of a big deal. They're fucking thirty dollars back then or whatever. Uh, so yeah, spoiled, fucking rotten. Uh, older sibling, my oldest sister, the, the oldest of the crew is 10 years older. So, um, so yeah, it was, you know, I, it wasn't like one of those, I didn't get like the shit kicked out of me or anything by my brother or anything like that, but it, it was definitely more, uh, more just spoiled kid and, and stuff like that. So I, I don't have any like crazy, crazy stories. I'm, I'm closer with my siblings now than I was when I was a kid. If that, I don't it's, you know, and maybe that's it for everybody, but I didn't like, I didn't go everywhere with my brothers or anything like that. And my sisters, my sisters were super close, but, uh, but yeah, nothing, nothing crazy to report. Just normal. Family, what what, what normal was some of them, the memorable events though? Was there anything memorable when you think of your childhood, you know, something happened to you um, that sticks out? 
Uh, I, I have a horrible memory with this stuff, but I used to, I know I always looked up to my brother just because he was an unbelievable hockey player all the way. I mean, he played, uh, he didn't go to division one. He, he played um, uh, like, he was just great when he was like going through high school. And he probably, if he kind of kept his head straight and kept his shit together, he probably would have played D one hockey. And I always looked up to him and always went to, you know, all his high school games and things like that. I would say kind of when they hit high school, just kind of the, the memorable stuff is just like the attitude change of, of them not giving as much of a fuck about me. I'll never forget when I split my head open at one of his hockey games, I was uh, running under the bleachers and I, uh, somebody grabbed my hand and was, and I was running behind him and we were running and he ducked because he saw a piece of wood under the bleachers and I didn't have time to duck. So I hit the wood, I hit the wood under the bleachers and split my head open, uh, bleeding profusely from the head, walking in front of a crowded hockey rink. And the first person I see is actually my sister, Lori, who's the, the middle girl of the crew. And she's with all of her high school friends. And I was like, Lori, I have a crazy headache. I'm literally bleeding profusely, but she just, from the back of my head, she can't see it. Like, I feel awful. I'm ble- uh, it's just whatever. And she's like, literally says, get the fuck away from me. I'm with my friends. And then when I walk past her, you could have bled playing. out. Yeah. I'm what if somebody notices the blood and all of a sudden <laughs> the crowd starts screaming or whatever. I find my dad, the game literally stops ambulance comes. So like, that's kind of like the, the memory of, <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't know why that just came out when you asked no, that question. Well, but. obviously it jumped out. I mean, it yeah. sets you uh, up well for working with Kirk, you know, um, yeah. copying all the blows they were, because they were older and like obviously we played together as kids when i was super young and stuff like that but because when they got older they were kind of off doing their own thing and yeah. i had my crew so i was like always with my best friends growing up like freaking wiffle ball and baseball every single day after school every yeah. single day of the summer it's so it was more you know obviously we were a close family but i spent more time with my friends than i did my brothers and sisters growing up wow. yeah. imagine calling those friends now they'd be so, so thrilled to speak to <laughs> well, you now because I have you're a on a podcast of, yeah maybe because i'm a little yeah popular some, now so i can get clout some yeah. clout um yeah. actually my buddy did uh my buddy uh for work went to australia for i want to say he went for three months uh, had a great time, by the way, and he brought his KMS shirt and he took a picture from there. I think I think the show retweeted it, not knowing, but he was, he's my best friend, uh, one of the roommates, of course. And uh, but yeah, he had a great time in Australia. Just random side note for you. Well, I want to meet some inner fans when they come down under. COVID's fucked that up, though. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, did you did you get in hard. trouble as, as a kid? You know, everyone thinks of you as a bit of a snake. Were you snaky uh, as a kid? No pussy, like total, yeah, total pussy growing up. No, no trouble to report. Uh, Eighth grade, I got arrested for, uh, I guess you could say like hanging out with like, it wasn't a big deal, but like the kid was edgy back then, like setting a fire and setting a fire to a tree in the woods and ended up turning into like a pretty big fucking fire. We run from the cops. We get caught. So we got like, uh, I don't know, obviously nothing ended up happening, but like it, it was a like basically like arson in the woods and shit like that. That was like the worst thing I ever did. And he went in there with horrible intentions. He wanted to uh, light a frog. Like literally he should, should have probably turned into a terrorist. Cause he was like, wanted to spray a, fr- a frog with lighter fluid and then light it on fire and watch it like jump around. He was a fucked up brain. Uh, but that was like the worst thing ever. And that was like, that traumatized me like that. I was like, you know, I took a risk for the first time in my life, like doing something stupid in the woods. And then like that just traumatized me. So I became a bigger pussy after that than I already was. Yeah. So, yeah. Certainly affecting your risk taking on KMS so far, but we'll get to okay. that. Yep. <laughs> what did, so what did you study in college when you um, finished school? 
communication. So I actually graduated with print journalism. Yeah. Uh, but I always knew like I radio was always what I wanted to do. So in college, I was always doing the the radio, the typical radio internships for uh, like the country station, the oldie station. I don't think I ever did EEI. I didn't do sports. Uh, my first like being around EEI, I was working for WRKO, the, te- the talk station. So that was always like the print journalism. They didn't have a broadcast program. So it was always just communications and print journalism was what I went for. Yeah. Right. And why is that? Did you just love the sort of Boston media market? Did you listen to the big show and all those? So I think it was just, or- yeah, it just got imprinted in me from a young age. So my, I think it was back then, I think I was like four. My cousin was dating, um, I can't say like a popular guy on the radio, but he was on Kiss 108, which is a, a major station in our market. He was uh, the traffic guy, but I don't know if it was the morning show or the after. I forget which which hour, but he was a traffic guy there um, in, in more of a role than just like reading the traffic. Right. Like he had a role on the show and he took me into the studio on a Saturday. And it was one of those I guess you could just say like one of those memorable kid moments. Right. Like where we he recorded me. I had, I had the cassette, like basically my entire life. It's probably still at my parents' house. And it just kind of became like imprinted in my brain that like, that's what I was going to do. Right. Mm. And so it's just, that was kind of the, you know, that was kind of the, the path that led me to wanting to be in radio and then, you know, wherever the fuck that went after that, I guess. And, and I guess, have you given up on your sort of dream now of hosting your own show or is that? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a host by any stretch of the imagination. I just, I I love the energy. Like Kirk, a show like KMS is what I always wanted to be a part of. I just kind of, I love the experience I got in kind of the weird places in radio that I worked. It taught me a lot of things and, and I was allowed to to fuck up without any consequences, you know what I mean? And that's a good way to learn when you're super young in the industry. Um, so I wouldn't trade it, but it kind of, uh, it definitely like, I didn't get like any training that would turn me into some kind of like on-air host by any means. I definitely more suited for, you know, getting the shit kicked out of me, you know, making fun of me and laughing and having a good time. And I'd prefer that anyway. That's the show I'd rather be a part of anyway. So, yeah, well, and, and looking for this episode, you can just relax. I'm the host, no pressure. Get back. We can just talk, uh, yep. pretend no one's listening. <laughs> so what about the first time you worked with Kirk? Uh, I was listening to some enough about me this afternoon in preparation and I didn't hear much of you. I, I did hear a very hopeful Kirk Minahan. It's interesting yep. how that all changed pretty quickly, but I mean, we're talking what, 2017 now. Yep. Um, Somewhere around there. Yeah. You, um, first worked with him how did that happen did he just did intercom just put you with him or did he ask for you yeah so i believe it was carlson mosdes um who was running digital i think he's still there he's a really nice guy he's a really nice guy um i didn't really have as much of a relationship with him so i wonder how if he suggested me as a candidate to kirk i wonder how uh, i kind of came to his head came to his brain in those moments um, but I believe Kirk said that he recommended me. I had been, I think it was six months earlier than that. I had been offered the position to produce uh, Ordway, Maloney, and Fourier, uh, and I ended up turning it down. And Ooh, um, it's a bit of an ego there, Dave. That was a massive show, uh, and you just said no. It was one of the like one. I guess well, the money was awful, but also it, I don't know. It just I knew at that point, like I had had enough radio experience. I wanted to do what was like where I wanted to go in radio if I was going to do it. If so obviously it gonna, you're a big fan of Kirk at the time. Oh, uh, huge. Yeah. Huge fan of Kirk. And, and he was doing the shit. It was more to me. It was more off what he was doing, what Jerry was doing. It was just more authentic. You know, it was more real. And it was more about the laughs and even the awkward and serious stuff like, like had laughter in it, too. You know what I mean? Or or the uncomfort 
was enjoyable. The uncomfortable atmosphere was enjoyable. Right. And I just wanted to be a part of that shit. I'd done so much of that pre-planned scripted out bullshit, boring radio stuff. Um, and so that's why like we make fun of the boston.com morning show that I did. Like that was, I booked like six fucking guests a show for that thing. And I, and it was just so regimented and all the ideas that I had that I wanted to do with that stuff, with that show, whether it was stupid, whether it would work, whatever, it was always turned down because it was always just this safe, boring, nobody really gave a shit. Everybody just did their job. So I, you know, I, I remember quitting and being like, you know, just ha- like I was making good money there and I just quit because I just wasn't happy. There was no, uh, there was no competitive spirit. There was no cre- like creative energy being put out. It was just kind of like, okay, what's the news of the day? Book the reporter. Okay, who's going to analyze that story then? Book an analyst. You know, it was just like, it was bullshit. So I wanted to be a part of something specifically that I, if, if I was going to go back to, not go back to, but if I was going to work on a podcast or work in radio, I wanted it to be just primarily like based and built upon laughter. To be honest with you, mm, you're right. Uh, so, or, or, you know, laughter in some other way. I just wanted that. But just to know that I was, it was going to be a, a sports show. The biggest thing that was appealing to me was that uh, like Felger and Maz were so dominant. And me, you, I, I don't think you think I, I would assume you hear me enough by now. Like, I don't have an ego in the sense I think I'm great. But like, I have this like spirit behind me that's like, oh, Felger and Maz are number one. Like, I want to fucking try it and come at them, right? Like, there's just like a little bit of competition there. Um, uh, I had that in my brain, so it, it did weigh on me. Like, I wanted to do that. But then at the end of the day, I just kind of knew, like, it, it wasn't for me to do a show like that. So, like, it's just a sporto show or anything like that. So, so yeah, that didn't end up working out. But working with Kirk, I mean, we ended up, I think I ended up having two, two interviews uh, involving Carlson and Kirk. And I thought they went well, I guess. I think he said, did he say that he thought I came off arrogant at some point, like I was cocky or something in those meetings? Um, I don't know. He always like reads into, I feel like he reads into those situations so much. Like I remember I was suggesting a studio, like I suggested red 13 and he, he even back then thought I had some deal with them. And it was more just like, no, I just, I mean, how many Come studios on. are there that aren't radio stations? I, like there was just a studio I knew of and I liked the atmosphere and I thought he would. So, um, so yeah, everything was, everything was normal. I don't even remember too much communication uh, in general from the content standpoint. I mean, like we're going to, uh, we're gonna, either going to get into it or just remind people it was fucking 48 hours, you know? So there's not much to work from in that, in that sense. What was Kirk like then as opposed to now? Um, I'm trying to remember. I think it was basically the, basically the same. Like I said, I don't have too much experience to go off with, but all of our conversations were, I, I would say basically the same as what we're doing now. You know, I, I think the radio.com, I don't, I don't know if we got into it. Like I was super, I was kind of hopeful and it's fine. It's Kirk's show. So don't get me wrong, but you can put ideas and, you know, put it out there. I was kind of hopeful it would turn into more of like a um, Howard's not copying Howard Stern, but that Howard Stern atmosphere where like we could be this, we could be the main show in the big platform of radio.com where like, it wouldn't be weird to utilize all the resources of Entercom at that time. So let's say, uh, let's say the rock station was having fucking the Rolling Stones in studio. Like we would get to benefit from that and we'd have them in our. St- so, you know, how like Stern will have the band and they play. Mm. I don't know. I like had these dreams of that where it was like this hybrid between what KMS is now and then kind of like that Sternish where you're you're interviewing somebody long form like he did with Stevie Van Zant, But also Stevie has a guitar. Or I don't know. I like had those. Those were kind of like my visions of that of those days. 
Um, and at the end of the day, it would have been what Kirk wanted anyway. So, but <laughs> that was just like more of my brain was at because because you got to remember, you got to remember like radio.com. I mean, they were that was the biggest, it is still the biggest radio entity out there. They have resources, right? Like they have mm. access, they have access to artists, they are, you know, have top 40 stations and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it's it would have been interesting to see how that all played out and how he would have just fucking shit all over those ideas for sure. It's, in, it's also interesting now it's taken Intercom years to get onto the sort of digital train of just, you know, awesome. relaunching his Odyssey. So you would never would have happened. Um, obviously, you know, you got fired because of, the, you know, the, what happened with Alan Dershowitz and basically that I think boiled down to just uh, sort of breakdown in communication in you know, what Dershowitz thought he was coming on for and then what actually happened that that's right. Yep. Isn't it? Yeah. And, and just Dershowitz being an asshole and like causing a, you know, a hiss, you know, a hissy fit over really, fucking nothing at the end of the day because one Kirk says that he would have talked about the topic anyway so then I just it was a complete uh and I think I've done through this but I, I don't need to go through the whole thing but uh, like I just responded to an email existing email chain that I had with him so it was kind of like it I don't know and, and I I don't actually that was a learning lesson for me because I, I don't do that anymore but it was common it was kind of like all right this is a familiar person he's replying to an email he's not sending me one cold or whatever so unfortunately like he just it's not even the topic i don't think like he thought he was going on a boston globe entity he wrote for the boston globe at the time because that was the subject matt that was the subject of the email that i replied to i didn't lie who he was talking to i said can you talk to kirk minahan mm. right so one quick google search would say that kirk minahan didn't work for the boston globe obviously so it was just um i'm not gonna call it lazy i definitely take responsibility for all the communication failure that led up to that moment for sure but it was something that like if it didn't happen there that was like how i like typically responded to emails and shit so it's like something was going to go wrong eventually for me in that situation if i kept playing out scenarios like that so i didn't mean to fucking fuck with it yeah 20, there you go i didn't mean to fuck with him deliberately in any way i also really didn't know the epstein stuff back then i wasn't paying attention to that story in any fact i just i knew innately kind of from twitter that kirk was interested now in dershowitz and i was on my brain was in enough about me mode and accumulating guests right so i was reaching out to a shit ton of people um you know whether we ended up doing Bruce. having them or not but i was whatever like i was reaching out to a shit ton of people just to try to get them he was one of them and that, that just spiraled like that just went so quick and i knew he was attainable too that's why it's stupid that one could have been way more gentle because he came on old shows of mine all the time so so yeah that just that just sucked and um i mean so, at the end of the day too it was just if i'm intercom i don't like i don't blame them whatsoever for fire me he was causing a hissy fit about it and if he sued it's just a pain in the ass so did they fire you from intercom was that what happened or did oh yeah yeah oh, they yeah. in the moment they i guess you could i'm not gonna say suspend me they were basically saying like we're not gonna don't come in for the rest of the week was was one and then like Oof. literally 90 minutes later they called me i remember where it was and they're just like it's done so i i yeah i it, i understood it for sure i felt bad for kirk because i knew all the stuff that kirk was going through and i was like great like now You've i like, i would have been i knew i was going to be fine figuring out my life after that it was literally 48 hours at, you know I, I just knew i'd find another job whatever i was confident i just felt bad because he he did seem like very excited to be starting something new and i definitely didn't want to be a disruptive person in that energy, I guess you could call it. So, yeah. Was it shattering? You know, you're so close to working with the, 
probably number two radio talent in Boston. If you put Felger yeah. one, Kirk two, you yeah. know, you, you have the job for two days and then all of a sudden it's taken away. Do you remember what that was like? Um, I remember being like severely disappointed. I remember thinking like that's the type of content that I always wanted to create. And I wondered if I'd get that opportunity to do it again. So I wouldn't say that I like went into some dark, deep depression and started drinking more or anything like that. I just it definitely was disheartening for sure. But it's it, you just I don't know. I, I'm kind of just an is what it is person. And I just moved on. But it, it did. It did suck. It did. It did suck. And then like, you know, kind of being a part of. I, I don't know. I kind of being a part of the content after like, cause it was kind of a storyline <laughs> about the whole thing. I didn't mind that it was a storyline. I didn't mind fucking around with it. I just like, it did bring, keep bringing me back to like that fucking sucks that I'm not actually a part of it anymore. So yeah, it was, it was an is what it is thing. I was disappointed, but I guess I didn't let it like impact me in some major way, uh, you know, to, to go into some stuff. Yeah, you didn't go to the train station or anything. No, a- no. And I, I guess, you know, it's got a happy ending because, you know, a few years later, you're on um, the KMS show as the producer in a barstool, two dreams of yours. So <laughs> the barstool probably- thing, I think the barstool thing, I think is a little overstated. I, I, I mean, I'm sure you're, maybe you'll get into that. I, I don't really see where that's coming from that much, but I'm interested to, to find out. You're interested to find out where it's coming from because you, you yeah, have like to tell me. People- like, I can't yeah. tell you how you feel. Well, I mean, wh- what gives off the impression that all I've ever wanted in life is to work for Barstool Sports. Or like sometimes you'll see comments or something being like, oh, he cares too much about being liked by Barstool. I don't really get that because even pre, pre-Kirk, pre I mean, I'm just interacting as a nobody with content that I consume on Twitter. So I don't really like that's what I consumed. You know, like I would go to Barstool first thing in the morning. Mm. That's what I would look at on social media. I think that's normal for everybody else. So everybody who's saying, Oh, you're just obsessed with Barstool. These are the same people who have parody accounts about a podcast host. Like what's what's technically the difference? You're doing the same thing I'm doing. You're checking out. Don't take it to heart. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not like offended by it. I'm just interested because I think that's how most I think it's an easy it's an easy spot, isn't it? It's a soft spot. You know, then everyone knows you're a big fan of Barstool because of your interactions over the last few years. I mean, you know, getting down on your knees and sucking Whitney off when he was in studio is a little bit of a, a giveaway. <laughs> sucking about. Whitney off when he was in studio with Kirk when they yes. were fucking. Oh, they were going at me. I mean, well, Whit, I just think I think I Whitney when he was trying oh, to push you even, away, he was feeling but uncomfortable. But even then, but even then, like people. I mean, you suck off Kirk. What the fuck is the difference? Like, I think I think Ryan Whitney is on the same. No, I know, but I think like Ryan Whitney is super talented. So like, why wouldn't as a fan on social media, I be sucking that person off and saying I enjoy that person? I don't, I don't whatever. Yeah, look, I, I think as well, it is just a contrast to Steve, who you know had, had no interest in anything Barstool really. Um, yep. So I, I think there's that contrast, and also I think people know it annoys you, so people just like to needle you in it. Yeah. And I always, I always try to make it seem like it doesn't annoy me, but then you can feel the temperature yeah, rise. It. It, yeah, yeah, it's not a bad form of annoy though. It's just I am, I'm more interested in it, but whatever. And also, you didn't help like when Whitney was in there. Okay, so you, maybe you didn't have your mouth around his penis that I <laughs> saw on the on the YouTube stream, but you yeah. were like. 10 times more excited than any other show. Um, so I, I, I think yeah. that's why people think. Well, well, I like his, I like that energy and I definitely like, I like like Kirk doing that stuff too. Like I like that shit talky energy. Uh, and so that like kind of fires me up a little bit, you know, like the random shit talk, like just makes me laugh for some reason. So I think I was more fired up for, for that. I had met him. I want to say like three months 
like before and it was like in a different form it was on like a hockey podcast and it wasn't like i was fucking anything like that when i met him in that environment so i i don't know either way it was yeah that was a that was a learning lesson not so much for the ryan whitney sense but just like you don't have to be that amped up no matter what like, I, I don't know that i was just too fired up that day i guess for what yeah, it's a bad day for dave um yeah. So, you know, you said how much you loved um, Ryan Whitney being there. You know, before you um, got to KMS, you had a little stint on the Callahan podcast. Yep. Um, how bored were you during those recordings? I wasn't bored because I, I really, I honestly appreciated the opportunity to just uh, to work with and get to know Jerry. Jerry's just, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. I understand the, the problems he and Kirk have, but he's, he's a good person. He was great to me. Uh, I just find everything about him funny for some reason like I just, and he's another but, titan of radio as well i mean he's huge. yeah he's, he's huge I said, in the boston figures yeah. when i filled in when when steve went away for that three weeks i i said i thought jerry had the most uh notable best radio career in boston and my premise of that was obviously longevity but two he said things that nobody else would say on the radio in an area that like like you could say the stuff he says on WRKO, a conservative talk radio station. He was saying things that typically in, a, in liberal Massachusetts that you really sh- not shouldn't be saying, but really people wouldn't have said on sports radio. And, and I give him credit for doing that. And he took risks and all that stuff. So I just think he weighing all those things together. I think he had the best radio career in the city. That's just that's my opinion. I think some people would say Matt Siegel. I would say Jerry Callahan. I'm not doing that to kiss his ass. I just think because he took risks it it weighs a little bit more um so so yeah it was a, it was a great opportunity i really appreciated it i just you know from the show's perspective i think people can clearly see i'm not like super into the political stuff by any means but i also loved watching jerry get so worked up and i didn't mind like poking my voice into it to just like kind of poke him a little bit mm. fuck around a little bit you know so as opposed to having you know and i think carano sounds great when i and that's where the podcast need to go anyway uh, like dialed in conservative, wherever. I think he sounds great, but like from my enjoyable, like from my enjoyment, I loved like jumping in and kind of like prodding him a little bit, you know, and fucking around. Yeah, that's all. Um, when you were producing Jerry's show, did did uh, did it meet the expectations you had of the show in terms of listeners and quality um, as producer? Um. Yes and no. I actually thought the numbers were good for the show. So all that stuff actually was good. We definitely, I always knew we needed some type of marketing arm to help promote the show. Like Jerry's, Jerry's audience was already tapped out. It was consistent. It was dialed in. It was sticky. It was loyal. So to, to grow, it needed like a Barstool Sports to help promote. Now, I don't mean Barstool specifically, but like a media entity with an audience, right? So I always thought that should be OutKick, which is Clay Travis's, like they have an audience. If it was, you know, I, I think we've talked about it on the show. There was a debate between OutKick and Podcast One. Consultant was Podcast One, Dave was OutKick. What happened? My argument was always, pod, first of all, Podcast One is a radio company first. Like they were early in the game. You know, the, you know the inner workings of the podcast world. Mm. They're all radio guys or whatever. They're, they're just like a distributor of podcasts. They don't like nobody goes to Podcast One as a loyal listener and is like indebted to that brand. So there was no, I knew you can promise marketing all day long. They're not going to give you shit. Clay Travis, however, who owns Outkick and the website outkick.com, has monthly uniques, has numbers to it where they have a built-in audience that when they promote you, there is a much better chance of you growing your audience there. 
then a podcast one, then a Westwood one, then whatever. So I always thought that should be, that would be the route the podcast would go. And it just, it never worked out. We had an offer on the table. The consultant obviously won that war. Podcast one was the choice uh, that ended up going south. And then we tried to bring back OutKick and it just kind of, I think maybe it was the purchase with um, Fox News ended up purchasing them. And maybe it was kind of it was kind of around that same time period. So I think Kirk told me that Jerry thinks I fucked up the discussions. I don't remember that whatsoever. <laughs> As at the end of the day, I presented Jerry with a contract from them months ago. So I don't know how I fucked anything up in that situation. But so I, I don't know. I hope that still potentially is on the table for them. Uh, I know they went subscription, but I still do think that, you know, they're doing four days a week of free shows too. So I, I, I think there's still opportunity for them to grow and the industry's still young, right? Like it's, I'm not saying it's, it's a battle to get listeners. Now there's so yeah. many podcasts and yep. there's so many good competitors that you, you've got to be good. Even yeah. Kirk, yep. I would say he's under his probably um, expectations listening wise at the moment. Um so yeah, I just think it's a battle getting listeners. So you know, you're you're at Jerry's, you're having a good time. Obviously, there's that big fight between Kirk and Jerry that's been you know relitigated in the last week ad nauseum. Yep. But you know, just from your point of view, what what was that like? Kind of being in the middle of those two because you know they're both strong figures. You got Kirk flipping out. You got Jerry who's pretty yeah. strident. You know, you must have been caught in a tough spot. I didn't look at it like that. I heard, I remember hearing Kirk say things like that. I didn't look at it like it was that big of a deal. I actually probably was way douchier about it where I really took the lot. And I don't know if it was because this is going to sound fucking so douchey. I don't know if it's because I worked in radio, but I felt, I felt like a, a, a big appreciation and admiration for those two in terms of what they built together and what they, you know, put out there as a product on the radio and their relationship and how raw and honest and they talked about crying at each other's parents funerals and shit like that like i viewed them as like basically brothers like that's how i looked at it and i in that role when brothers would fight i always felt like like stay the fuck away from that like that was so maybe mm. that's me being a pussy maybe that's, that's me not. overthinking it i don't know if it's smart i don't know what is it whatever it is but i remember like when steve when the text thing happened I always felt like if I, if that happened to me, I probably wouldn't have told Kirk that because I wouldn't have wanted to come in between what I thought was a brother, brotherly relationship. I don't blame him for doing it. I don't, uh, you know, he's loyal to Kirk in that moment. Which However, text was this? It, like the text about, or all the stuff about Jerry and working with. Uh, all oh yeah. When like, he said he should, should, he, should he go work Kirk. for Kirk. Yeah. yeah. I just, I would never want to like do anything that would harm that like brotherly relationship. Um, and once I and I told Kirk this and it come back up, like once we kind of analyzed it and I got to know Jerry, I always viewed it as more one. It was sarcastic, kind of tough guy, Jerry ball busting. He's still and it probably is part of the root of this problem where it's like you think it's OK to make fun of crazy Kirk. Mm. Right? Kirk brought that up. I think we're learning that it, there's, that it, it could be fun, but there's also levels. And I think yeah. Jerry takes it to a different level that doesn't necessarily it's like it's too much. Let's put it that way. And then the other side of it is I don't think uh, there's any job in the world that Jerry Callahan would have said, yeah, go leave Howie Carr for. It. Yeah, go leave Ben Shapiro for. It. Yeah, go leave Dan Bongino. He insanely values conservative. It could have been his wife that wanted to hire Steve and he would have said no. Like that's not, I honestly believe that I could be totally wrong, but that was my viewpoint on that. So, but to go back to that, I always just kind of felt like 
stay out of it, but be honest if you're asked about it and it's raw. And I always gave my honest opinion. I remember that show uh, after Sacco, you know, I was saying like, what do you, I think Turtle Boy was saying they were uh, welfare recipients or whatever. And I, I, I think I said, you know, one, what are they going to do? Two, it's Kirk's fucking show. Three, like Kirk, you know, as this is going on, we'll probably tell them what to do. Like he'll probably say, you guys can go do this. They did updates or whatever. So I think uh, I was just trying to be as honest as possible when asked the questions, but I never really felt, you know, I never felt mm. like I was in the middle, like it was a big deal either, either way. Right. We were in, in well, it is a big deal. They're still going on about it, but they still go. No, but I mean like my role, like my yeah, your role. involvement in that yeah. was never a big deal. And I, I've always viewed myself like I was a, an acquaintance of Kirk's at that point. I was acquaintance. Probably still are. Probably still am. And even Jerry, like Jerry and I basically did the show minor talk after I was, and we were doing it remotely because we, because of COVID, we left the Legacy Club and then it just became convenient to do remote recordings, even though it sounded like shit. It was just like I still viewed myself as an acquaintance of Jerry, which I probably still am. So it's like, why? Why would I go deep into the middle of that one? It's just unnecessary. So Yeah. So what about when you heard the news that one Stephen Earl Robinson was packing up his kit bag and moving on from KMS to travel the country? What was your first reaction? Um, I don't know. I think I was shocked. I wasn't listening as much to KMS when that was all happening. So I was just shocked. I thought he was in, I thought he was in kind of a good spot. I thought it was a good hybrid for him. I thought, um, and I've always said, I thought like the, like Steve on the radio versus Steve working with Kirk is like two ginormously different things. I think he's a better radio talent today from working in that environment than he was when he filled in for Howie. So I think it was just more shock, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how else to describe it. it just, well, you didn't it, immediately think I want the job, did you? Um, I didn't think, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say, uh, I wouldn't say I didn't think I wanted the job. I don't really remember. I don't, I did reach out to Kirk though. Like Kirk, Kirk texted me and said, do you have any producers that you think would be interested with this? And I, I said, sure, I'll think about it. Would you consider me? So I guess you can't really say that. I don't think I thought of it as like, let me capitalize on this opportunity. Steve's finally gone. I didn't think of it like that, but I did when it kind of, when you process it, I did still think of myself, well, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I consider that? Like, why wouldn't I reach out to Kirk? And see I mean, that? when we messaged at the time, you did sort of uh, voice concerns about maybe not wanting to just leave Jerry high and dry. Um, I, I, you know, you're such a good employee and loyal that you didn't want to just, you know, dump him for the next gig. Dump um, him with a producer who didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think even Kirk knew like once Kirk texted me that all played out so fast. I knew Kirk was going to be super uh, helpful and accommodating to Jerry in those moments too. So, and he still was, by the way, even after, I don't think it was, I don't know if it was after I started, but I still like was helping or giving information to the producers after and, and Kirk knew all about it. He was, he was fine with it. So uh, yeah, I, I, I think I just knew it was probably one of my last opportunities um, to get like to do the fun 
fun content and see, yeah. I mean, obviously it's serious but i just mean like yeah, it's fun kirk wants to have yeah. a good time yeah. he wants to have yeah. a good time he'll hate this show because it's serious and he won't be listening anymore it'll be too um serious for him but anyway so you know steve's leaving um look i know steve certainly looked down on you because he sort of has that view of everybody but did you kind of look up to steve as a producer or do you see yourself as kind of equal um i I respected him as a producer for sure. And I appreciate his work. I thought the show was fantastic. I think the show, um, yeah, I, I loved it. So I don't know. I, I stopped listening like out of spite to be honest. I think I've said that. Like I was just, I think I got the text about, not the text with Jerry or I think the one that annoyed me was about discord. I was like, why is he texting me about fucking discord right now? Fuck this. <laughs> so I was just like out of spite and you get in these habits and then you just get lost or whatever. Um, but yeah, I definitely respected him. I, remember like i met steve um how he came and did his show out of a studio i was running and so i just remember helping them you know with resources and uh, we were dealing with satellites to get radio shows up and oh, all he was stuff. a real i bet he was a real douche steve. oh he was fine he was an swinging ass- dick believe, steve robinson oh no no because he was he was the associate producer then so it was sandy shack was still the main producer oh sandy uh, and i didn't know i didn't really know him that well but we probably met a, a handful of times but he was always he was always good I remember I came in um, for something else to Howie Studio when they moved because of a potential advertising deal that didn't end up happening. And so I always just had kind of a cordial relationship with him. Uh, looking down on me was probably just like the, the goofy, I don't know, because I'd just rather be. It's goofy. his personality. Whatever. I don't know. But I never had any issues with him whatsoever or anything like that. Can you, can you say why he didn't gel with a lot of Minna fans? Um, not, not really. I, I think... Um, I think Steve is just like a hyper-focused content guy, you know? And I think that the- he certainly wasn't the last six months of the show. Well, it's just, you know, like I said, I wasn't as dialed in on that stuff. And I think, you know, say what you want. And, you know, I know Kirk says this about me too, but it is exciting to try new things that you haven't done before. And I think KMS was new and that's why- I think he was great. He tried new things. It was a different environment. He grew from it. And then they tried something new with true crime that maybe he found a, a bigger passion for, right? And and some of this other stuff became trivial, right? And so, I, I don't know, I'm just guessing, but mm. I can kind of see how that, I can see how that goes. And I can see how him, him saying, wow, I really love doing true crime. If I could pair that with other content that I really love to do, whether that be political, which it seems like, or whether it be cryptocurrency, which it seems like, it, it, it kind of all adds up, right? Like it adds up to wanting to achieve kind of overall happiness, which is, you know, you kind of found it in these different pockets uh, sporadically. Now, ta- you know, now go, now go do it deliberately. I can, it kind of makes sense to me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, it's interesting you've been brushed for the case again. <laughs> um, I, I don't know why Kirk doesn't just get a proper producer that's done narrative podcasts before. Uh, I just think he's so silly not to engage someone experienced. There were sort of, I don't know, simple errors in the case, maybe. Um, you, you know, there is a knack to produce in these series, and I just think you should bring someone in who could who's done it before. Well, I think he's, it seems the strategy is one, I have the utmost confidence in, in Harrison. I think that Harrison is super talented. I think he's passionate. So and I think he's like, when he's going to get started doing something, he's going to dial into it. He's going to be yeah, researching. But you can yeah. say all that, Dave, but you can't yeah. tell me that Harrison will be as good as someone who's done five narrative series before because there are methods and experience that comes with that. So yeah, well, um, you gotta, you're also, you're just talking about somebody 
who wants to do something on a, I don't mean lesser scale, like from it will come out, but like when you listen to a true crime podcast from the New York Times, at the end of the podcast, you're going to hear 27 fucking names, mm. right? And I think yeah, that course. Kirk, and, and maybe that's part of the burnout with Steve or whatever, but Kirk values that tight knit, that close. You saw the fucking picture last night. He values having a small yeah, but, yeah, but You can say like that, but you know, there are low, low, te- you know, small teams of one or two people producing excellent narrative stuff. But you can, I, I get where, like, I get where you're going on the, like, you're trying to make it about the quality of the show. But mm. at the end of the day, they were very happy with the success, listeners, revenue, everything I've oh, heard about yeah. that. It was fantastic. Yeah. Barstool was ecstatic. But I remember when I went to Barstool uh, before the show, just to meet the behind the scenes people and, and know who I have to go to for X, Y and Z. The case came up like on seven different occasions. So they were very happy with the product that was created. And so I see where you're going with it, but it's it hasn't caused a business problem right no, so, no. And, uh, yeah. but i guess for me i think this is where kirk sounds his best you know this is where you have that sort of nexus of all his skills the brilliant brain the interviewing skills the, the yeah. broadcasting skills the intelligence the sort of bull between the teeth you know the bit between the teeth and going hard at something i think you know i can see him having like you know, show, TV. You know, Kirk Minahan TV shows where he's doing this kind of investigative stuff, but yep. he needs people with him who can make it a reality. So you got to remember too, it was it was his first one, right? <laughs> like, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but then, no, I know. But yeah. then Steve, you know, I would actually, and you know, I would have preferred Steve to be brought back to do season two because I at least Steve you could. Be, don't you? Okay. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, maybe it'll be Steve um, coordinating and Harris are doing a bit of the technical stuff. Yeah, I think Steve, he's he's hinted at that, like in some consultant role where he's helping him with research. I, assume. I mean, did you listen to the case? I listened to a decent amount of it. Yeah. OK, like everything, not the whole thing. Um, yeah. I don't know why these all, producers like this. Uh, yeah, I just thought they got the narrative arc a little bit wrong. And like if they're just slightly restructured, it probably would have landed better. But um, all right. So can I ask, are you employed full time by Kirk? Yes, you are. Because I know you do some work on the side. Are you still doing that? Uh, yeah, but it's very minor. And Kirk knew about it before. Like it's relationships with uh, like one specifically is just a business that we built. And I told him it's uh, it's somebody who came up on the show. He's family to me. And mm. it's, we built like a we built a marketing partnership with Barstool. And so it's it's not it doesn't take away. I literally do it in the after hours like you know, it's texting and calls or whatever. So it doesn't take up my time or anything like that. So I just wanted to be above board with it, with him. And uh, it's, it's just the, you've seen the videos. It's the mortgage company. They're a big yeah. advertiser on Barstool now. And I, I'm hoping actually they're going to come over to Kirk's show. So excellent. I yeah. was just curious whether it was, you know, you were sort of uh, part-time or um, full-time and, you know, I was surprised that when you started producing and you alluded to it in this, that you, you you stopped listening to the show for a long time and then, you know, didn't even really go back when you got the job and be like, okay, maybe I should listen to the big shows from the last year to get a feel for what's been going on. Like why well, wouldn't you think that's just like the bare minimum? Like you get hired as a producer for a show and you sort of maybe you go back through the last year and, you know, the shows that everyone talks about, you go back and listen to them. 
Yeah, I mean, I know a lot from obviously the earlier days. I mean, I I know the gist of what the show is and what he's trying to do. So I don't know. Knowing the gist is, I want my producer to know more than the gist. If I'm Kirk Minahan. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like, it's weird to me for you to assume that like every producer who's going to come in as new is going to know every little show reference. It's every little show. But I mean, you go up to Soko to do a live show, and you go, don't think maybe I should listen to the show they did at Soko last year to see what was in it. But what's what's wrong? Like, I knew there were going to be videos. What's wrong with wanting to do like? doing what you assume that your boss wants you to do in that moment from how you've been working with him up to that point, what you've been asked to do. Like, why do you just assume that it's, it needs to be exactly like the one. But it, but it doesn't have to be exactly the same, but I would think you would still go back to that as a reference to see what happened. Maybe there's some, you know, fun little things you can continue from that one. Um, you know, yeah, I would just think you would want to, Maybe, but I don't think it's like at least just for background, just for background, different. just to feel like a diligent producer. Like yeah, I'm uh, producing I'm, a show that's done a live show here a year ago. Let me hear how it went. Yeah, I mean that's your opinion. I don't think it's not. I don't think it's not diligent to prep for a show in a new way and just like it was preparing for the show. You're not answering the question. The way I thought. What I mean, I, I mean, you can still it, prepare so in a new way, but wouldn't you go and listen to the just, just, just to know what? It's happens? not a question. It's not. You're not asking me a question. So when people make jokes about statement. the, when maybe people make statement. jokes about the like the car horn going off, you you know what they're talking about. Yeah, but what's like that's a show reference like you're talking about. You can't, you're, you wanted me to listen to that specific show, which is fine. But to me, there's not that much, I guess I get that it's a live show. It's a one-off type of thing, but like, that's the same thing as a reference from a show three weeks earlier in studio. Like that's not, to me, that's not the biggest deal in the world. Like it's not, it's, I don't think like I'm not diligent because I, I prepared for that show the way I prepared for that show, the way that I thought my boss wanted me to prepare for that show. Right. Like that's what can I say? Like what, what else can I do for that? I want you to you're say that I'm statement. right. I want you to say, man, no, you're making right. it. It's not I should have like, watched that. You're just making a statement. That wasn't like that wasn't a question. You're just making a statement okay. that you okay. wish okay. I was okay. quote, diligent enough to go back. Okay. And so, okay. so you employ somebody. You, you, you're the boss now. Yeah. You're doing a live show in two weeks and you've already done a live show at the same venue six months before. Would you want your employee to go back to that show to just give themselves background, how it went. So when they're preparing for the next show, they've got that in the back of their mind. I, I, I wouldn't, I probably no. to be, I wouldn't, I would just have meetings about that show and say, and if I thought that there were value points that I experienced, I would tell that I would tell that employee, but obviously I wasn't at the, uh, I wasn't at the previous one. Mm. I get that I had access to it, but I did in that moment, I prepared the way that I felt I had to prepare for that show the way my boss wanted me to. Okay. So, and I get it. No, no, I totally, no, I totally see where you're coming from, but I don't think it's the end all be all to feel like you have to monitor what previously happened in the same setting, I guess. Like you I'm still producing a show the way that I believe my boss wanted me to produce the show, I guess. If that's what Fair enough. That. I guess, I, I guess, you know, I, I look at producers to go the next step that want to have everything, cover all the bases, you know, always yeah. cover all the bases. Um, which but, is, which is, which is fair. I'm not saying that's not, I'm not saying that's not fair. If I, I was you, I'd be still listening to old shows now that you've missed. Like maybe you can't listen to everyone, but you know, there's these, there's, 
these episodes that keep crop, cropping up in the dialogue, you know, I'd be going, okay, I haven't heard that one. I'll go back and listen to that tonight. I've, I've, so, I mean, I don't want to go into do, but not that it's crazy, but like, I know certain characters or certain things that have transpired in the past because I have gone back and done my research and I am following up on as much of it as humanly possible. Okay. But yeah. You know, like that's my version of it. Like I'm putting in work behind the scenes that, and doing research for the show and for the future of the show, hopefully to see if they pan out. It's just a different way to look at it. I totally understand your point, right? Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying you're, I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, you know, in, in the Sacco case specifically, like I'm going into that show 48 hours before almost thinking like, like my three videos plus fucking mm-hmm. <laughs> plus uh, Justin's three videos and shit like that. So I'm thinking we're covered like all this weird stuff. So it was, I don't, I don't know. I I've, I've taken, I think taken responsibility um, you know, for the execution of that show and what I would do differently and what I would think as a leader I should have done differently. I think that when I came in from the show, I should have grabbed that event by the balls as just a management thing. Absolutely. And just and just do and, and Kirk seemed to disagree with that and that's fine. But I, I just think me going and just doing like a, a quick check-in and trusting that. Uh not that it's a bad thing to trust somebody when they say everything's set up, but it's also like you should button things up like there there should be a paper trail if i get hit by a fucking bus on my way home today there should be a way to find out every aspect of what's going to happen on october 2nd um and i believe that i believe that before i started this job and i didn't personally follow through with it when i started the job and i should have and i whether anybody agrees with that whether kirk agrees with that or not i that's just what i believe well, um, in preparation for this interview, I actually listened to your very first episode on KMS when you took over the job as producer. And that's the episode Justin pitched his full-time job to Kirk. And literally yep. the first thing Justin pitched was his ability to deliver live events. Um, so you, you were sort of thrown off there. I mean, I do have a lot of sympathy for that. I guess, you know, when you it look at the it text, doesn't change anything. I still like I I want to take responsibility for as much yeah, every yeah, aspect. Absolutely, of it. but why? Why when you saw Billing Barstool, yep, did you not think I'm going to call this guy and just clarify it? Like I want to know what we did. You not look at the message properly? Did it not go in? Like so I know. No, so I just you, I assumed I assumed minor expenses were already set up through whatever arrangement he had already talked with Justin. So right. that was my assumption on on the entire like whether it be travel, whether it be hotel accommodations, because I knew he was coming because we brought that up on the show. I said, it's wacko that, that somebody's driving seven mm. hours for this. And we, and I remember we said like, he agreed to it. So it is what it, you know what I mean? Like he agreed to drive mm. seven hours. So it is what it is. So, so yeah, I mean, I would take that back in a heartbeat to say like, what the fuck, like slow down. I just thought we we're talking like minor expenses of, of stuff like that, you know? And it, it's, that's why I'll never not take responsibility for fucking confirm. That just sucks. Just sucks. Yeah. I mean, I think you, Justin, really let you down. Um, so but I you, guess you got to remember too, and I, I, we haven't gone through this with Justin too. Like, I, I don't, I mean, he answered it something with the other day, the other day, a little bit more came out of Justin, I, I feel like, but like with the stage, like how did that just go south? Is it just completely communication failure or, is it paired with some of the things he's going through right now? And that's, that's what sucks. Like there's, there's part of it, which is perfect storm. I'm like, I'm not turning into a positive. We're very, very, very fucking fortunate that we work for somebody that 
is not just as is willing to make it about content because i know we said that with jerry the other day but just somebody who's willing to put the extra effort in to make it right and to make things whole and to and to have your teams back and i'm not just saying that to kiss ass it, like that's i mean this thing was basically done i called him on i think i called him on a monday night this whole thing was basically done tuesday afternoon you know like and yeah. there's not a lot of bosses who who would be willing to kind of be a team first, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know how to word that the right way, but no, I, but I, I get it. I mean, Kirk seems like a fantastic guy to work for yeah. as long as you don't want like a pat on the back or to talk to him or um, <laughs> anything like that. But I got, I got quantum with Chris for that now, apparently. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, you know, I've sort of been watching the arc of you. So you came into the show and you came in, you know, really hot, like you were, you were pumped up. I, you know, as I said, I was listening to the first show and, I got to say, even Kirk was happy to have you there. You could tell he was thrilled. It was like a rebirth. And then, you know, you sort of hit a little roadblock with the Ryan Whitney episode. All of a sudden, a little bit of blowback. Everyone's saying, shut up, Carl. Shut up, Carl. It's yeah. not your show. And then, obviously, the big disaster at Soco. Uh, you, you've, and I've noticed on air, you've sort of gone through phases where I can tell your confidence or is dented a little bit. Where are you now? Um, I don't know. I just think I needed to tone it down. It was nothing necessarily that Kirk, maybe he did it like uh, through osmosis in the sense, like just the, like the, th like the, the psycho thing, like the throw ride thing was probably more jarring because mm, that's another one of those. Yeah, not that I want to bring that like to, you know, make a big deal out of it or anything like that. It was just like the intention was never to fucking script anything. I think you've given me shit about that. The intention was just to like give somebody an idea. I don't really have a relationship with that person. I never would have fucking been like, yeah, let's start a wrestling storyline with Kirk Minahan. It's just fucking nuts. It looked that I, way. It, it, well, it wasn't. So that's just, you can believe it or not. But it's it written down. Weird. I mean, no, again, but it, the, it, the message it's, is it's, that. It's to give somebody. You're giving him lines. No, but remember, I'm trying, I'm basically hiring somebody for a cameo, right? Okay. Like when I, when you do a cameo, you have to put in, so I'm not saying in a perfect world, whether you believe me or not, he doesn't fucking read that shit like in a perfect world. He takes it. He has it. But he's like, oh, no, no, no. I know the show. Don't worry about it. Right. Like I probably would have done that for Ryan Whitney, but I, I would not not literally. But like because I know he listens to basically every show. But let's say he Ryan Whitney didn't listen. I think I was hiring him for a cameo and put some ideas on paper or whatever. So that just it, it taught me to just kind of like relax a little bit more, I guess, like just that show and, and all that stuff, because I knew my intent was not what happened. So yeah. it's just kind of like, just, just settle down, relax. And, and I don't know, I don't know. If kind I'm of let better. it happen a bit more. Just, just let just it be more. Yeah. Just be like, I guess more natural, be more, I don't know, live. I, I don't know. Just be less. He was right. I was probably jittery. I was probably like way too excited because mm -hmm. I am excited to be in that environment. I'm excited to fucking laugh every day. I'm excited for all that stuff. So I think it, it wasn't necessarily a lack of confidence. It was more just like settle down. I think, you know? Yeah. Look, I think the show since you've taken over has been amazing. Like whatever I've criticized you for here, the show has been never been better than since you took over. Part of the fact is making fun of you, but that's, yeah. that's the show. Um, I guess. I don't, by the way, I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm not trying to interrupt you. I don't, I think there's a lot more to go. Like I, I think that there's, you know, I don't know if it was like low, I don't know if it's COVID, but like there you want more of those like Julie DeCaro fucking shits. You want yeah. more of the bad radio. We want more Mina fans interacting with the show again, like they used to. We want more, uh, you know, not just sending parody songs or whatever, but like, holy shit, I was listening to Mix 104.1 and they said this. Like, we want more of that stuff because, you know, you can't always, 
you can't always deliberately catch bad radio like on your own all the time or what it's something like somebody experiences they're listening to dan levitard and they fire whatever i don't know so it's like i i want more of that environment back like i i still think you can say the show's the best it's ever been the best content i i mean that three-week run with kirk was like I, I mean, certainly the best thing I've ever fucking been a part of, you know, from a, from a I was like, Willie Cole. I mean, there were so many greatest hits, in my opinion, during those moments. But even even the shows that maybe don't have like that memorable Willie Cologne or whatever, or, or Linda Marks, it was like three things on every fucking show. And it's like I, I want I would love and I bet Kirk would love to be back there. It was fucking what was it? It was a uh, war of roses because Mike said that a woman was a bitch from one Oh four one. And then it was a Howard. St- it, I don't know. It was just like every show, there was three main things that were fucking hysterical or were angry or whatever. And that drew like a lot of emotion. And so I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's not funny. I just mean, I think like, I, I don't know. I would think Kirk would agree. I think he has agreed that it, there's more to go. Like there's a way to go. Like there's a ways to go. I didn't say it was at its peak, um, but it's yeah. certainly, you know, it's also that's Murchison's favorite period, your first stint um, in charge. <laughs> so look, I can, yeah, I can, I can barely remember that, right? He just didn't, he didn't <laughs> pluck any audio from those three weeks, right? He just picked like, your audio, basically. Um, yeah. I, um, you know, I, we hear, I hear this from Kirk, you know, people say you're a snake, um, but, but I've sort of come to the conclusion. I actually don't think it's, you're a snake at all. I think you suffer from the syndrome of you're always trying to keep everybody happy. Even when you're talking on air, sometimes you sort of thinking, uh, you know, you don't want to step on any toes. You, I always think you're sort of trying to sort of navigate the line of not pissing anyone off. Even, you know, when Justin came back from his break and you were asked about it, you gave some garbled answer instead of just saying Justin fucked up. Uh, where does that come from? Like, you know, do, do you agree with me that you probably need to nail your center? You need to find out what's at the heart of Dave Cullinane if yeah. you're going to really be good on air. If it's real, if it's real and authentic, right? Like if yeah. it's, if it's, if I'm, if I authentically thought, uh, you know, obviously I know I said that like Justin had failures in those moments, but I am accepting of the fact of, I don't know what the fuck Justin's going through, right? Like I understand that mental health had to have played a part in that. So it's not authentic for me to just be like, fuck Justin. Yeah, that was just an and example. There's a ton I, of them. Yeah. There's a ton of them. Well, I, I like, I don't hate, want him with Chris. That's not authentic. Like that's not authentic mm. to me. Um, I, I would have to, I would have to find a reason where, or an example where, uh, that you had that maybe I wasn't as authentic for some reason. Maybe I'm more passionate about something and I was being too safe because I didn't want to piss anybody off or want to be like, I, I don't have that example on the show right now. I know you think you hear, but the only thing I can know examples is like quantum weed, Chris, like I have no fucking problem. He's the nicest guy off air. He's a little cunty to me on the air, but I kind of like it. Cause I think it's funny. And I just try to be sarcastic back to him. Even the Carano stuff, like sarcastic back. Cause Carano has been nice to me. He's handled things on social media that I wouldn't handle the same way, but it's not like a big fucking deal. So I'm not like super passionate about that, but I definitely have a, a thing about me where uh, I don't necessarily know if I need to be liked, but like, I definitely, uh, I don't want to come off like an asshole to anybody. I want to be accommodating to people, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how that ter- translates into a snake. The snake thing, I think, just comes from people who like uh, behind the scenes radio people. And I'm, I'm very like gung ho and positive and we can do this and we can do that. And then if it doesn't happen, 
you almost go back and you blame that guy. I feel like I'm not trying to make an excuse. That's just like what I feel like mm. is the vibe, I guess. I, I don't know. That's the only thing I can guess because I don't know. I was never a snake to fucking Jerry Callahan. So for him to call me a snake, the worst thing he's ever said that I've done is I fucking lost a key card at the Legacy Club. So I don't even know, you know. So I, yeah, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, that's a tough yeah. one. That's a tough one to answer. And I hope, um, you know, obviously I, I assume one day there is going to be authentic hatred at some point it's just you know it's got to be real because if you just if you try and please everybody you know you often end up pleasing no one sometimes i get maybe people see you as a snake and not me but you know you might you know say one thing to one person to keep them happy but then you say something else to someone else to keep them happy and they kind of sort of um you know cross purposes so perhaps that's a symptom of just you know trying to please everybody it could be. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm definitely aware of that viewpoint. I just, I don't, it's t- tough right now in the moment to see the example where it applies, but it's well, just uh, generally on air. Sometimes I feel yeah. like you're not quite certain of yourself on KMS yet on air. There's a little yeah. bit of blurting out stuff. And like, I, I just, Oh yeah. That def- yeah. I, yeah. I think you've got to find, I still think you actually got to find your radio voice. Honestly, if I'm talking like, yeah. Um, you know, I think your broadcasting voice is, you know, it's got to evolve from play the hits now. It's got to, what's the next stage for Dave Cullinane? You're laughing, yeah. but I'm serious. You know, I really no, like No, but you. I don't, I don't, it's tough for me, you know, and it's an interesting point by you. It's tough for me to like think of myself like that, right? Like I think of myself as a producer first that is just like you can easily poke at that person. But if I'm going to have a, a vocal, uh, I don't know, if I'm going to have some kind of vocal uh, role on a show, like finding whatever voice that is, I don't know. I, I definitely have not like overthought that in any way. I'm just well, kind of that's a trying to be, yeah, maybe if it's a problem, maybe. I don't know. Oh, no, I, not in, like, I haven't heard that, that from, I haven't really heard that from Kirk minus like, like actually addressing it as an issue. He definitely said yesterday, like, the randomly blurting out stuff, which is just, uh, which I think happens more like in that, those random, like uh, end of the show, <laughs> you know, like, which is funny. Cause it's like yesterday I blurted something out about Jerry or something, which just was unnecessary and stupid. And hopefully you learn from it, but fucking four weeks earlier, everybody loved it when I busted out the Kelly Martin thing. Right. So it's mm, like, oh, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's one not, of those things. It's not about liking it. It's about, I think, um, yeah, I just think I, I still think you got to find your voice. That's where I'm coming yeah, from. That's fair. That's fair. What about um? Okay, what about criticism? So everybody knows how fucking brutal the Minna fans can be. You know, you you're pretty much liked by you know a fair majority of them. Um, I think you can yeah take it on the chin, but you know there you know obviously there are still some people that preferred Steve, uh, even like Riggs from Foreplay, his vocal you know, supporter of Steve, the fact that he stopped listening to the show. Uh, how, how do you take all that? I mean, it drove Mike to a, a blind school. It's driven Justin to, um, you know, who knows what medication he's on. Um, how, how do you take all the criticism and the intenseness of the scrutiny? Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't get to me as long as it's like criticism. That's part of a conversation, right? Like if, if you truly don't, like something and it's it's you know it's i don't know we're having it's like a collaborative conversation i never mind that stuff i said on the show and it still triggers me to some point is like i don't i don't like the trolling like when Mm -hmm. it gets to trolling it's where it's just like all right if you can't have a conversation about why the show sucked today then it's 
not worth it's not worth caring about. I don't, I don't know. That was always that's always my problem. Like if everything just sucks, 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 sucks. There's nothing I can do with that. Like yeah, exactly. what, what can we do? You just got to like brush it off. But I understand like change and some people are going to like it. Some people don't. I mean, I just I'm trying to do the best job I can. I'm trying to work with Kirk uh, the way he wants me to work with him. I want to grow in that. I want to you know, it's still something I'm getting used to for sure. I think I said on the show like there's not a lot of communication outside. He kind of just lets you do your thing. And that, I'm not used to that really. Um, Jerry was a, Jerry wasn't a lot of communication, but it was also a part-time thing for me. So, but I'm always used to like over communication and stuff like that. So there's still a, there's still a learning curve, but in terms of people having a problem with me or not liking something, I don't know. There's plenty of shows I don't fucking like and, and I voice it's, my displeasure. And so I, I get it. And it doesn't, it doesn't bother me in that way. Not really. That's a great attitude. I mean, you need to have a thick skin and you're right. There are people that just want to hate and troll and that's what they get a kick out of. And yeah, um, yeah no, it's a healthy attitude. I don't want to see you go away like everybody else that's been involved with the show. Um, no, and it's, it, but it's interesting to think about, like we're having a conversation, so it's not, kms or anything like that but i i am like i'm interested in what turns people like to go to that route like what you're a troll that listens every day like why at that point i don't i don't understand it like it's 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 like fascinating to me for some reason but then i sometimes i think i go back and i'm like well jerry callahan listen watches snl every week because he hates it it's like well why do we do that (laughs) i don't i don't i don't understand it's that classic um i mean you probably learned this at communications and you know say a good columnist they yep. elicit a, an emotional reaction and that yep. can be good and bad. And I think it's yep. the same in this sense. If you're triggering someone that, that people can get off on that anger, um, yep. you know, but sort of, um, I guess one air thing I've noticed from you is I think you could sort of work on expressing your, the way you feelings. Do you, how much longer do you have? Oh, plenty. Sorry. Right. Sorry. I checked my no, no, it's checking. Um, yeah. you know, how, 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 I think you could work on actually expressing yourself. Like I think sometimes there's this sort of gap and it happens to me as well between what you're thinking and then putting that into words. I, I don't know if it's um, how you could work on that, whether it's writing a bit more and just trying to sort of flesh out your thoughts. Cause sometimes I think you sort of say things, but they don't actually reflect what you mean. Yep. Yep. No, I think that's fair. I definitely think that's fair criticism. Um, I, I, I definitely need to work on that. I'm definitely more in tune with kind of that jokey atmosphere, right? Like that's just like mm. outside of outside of the show, if I'm with a friend or even if I'm with my family, like it's legitimately all ball busting, you know? Yeah, so, exactly. it's like, so I'm not really having these serious debates or conversations or, or anything like that. So when it comes to topics where like the opinion matters, uh, you know, definitely like whether it was the Joy Reid thing from yesterday or whatever, like I definitely think that would be so- somehow carving that, like carving that language out a little bit more and, and in a better way, it would be beneficial to me for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, writing's a good way of doing that, writing little notes and stuff. And like one example is when you're talking about Kirk calling his old friends. Mm-hmm. Now I, the way I took it, I know what you mean. Like if, someone calls me who I've seen on the radio, sorry, heard on the radio for the last five years. Well, it's going to be much easier to start a conversation. I heard you, you know, interviewing blah, blah, Tom Brady, you know, last year. And, you know, you're off to the races, you're having a good chat. Whereas if someone called up from, you know, they're an accountant, 
well, you got, okay, how's it, how the book's going, buddy? You know, it's not yep. the same. And also yep. it's not as interesting. Like if, if I'm Joe Nobody and my old friend who's now sort of a radio host calls me, I want to hear about that because it's more fucking interesting than my life. But you, I don't think you expressed it that way. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't think I, I, I listened to the social clips. I don't think I listened back to that specific segment. I don't think I expo- expressed it in a super confusing way, I don't think. But it was more uh, it was more just really there's a better chance of the person you're calling to, like, understand where you are and what you're doing than Absolutely. the accountant. And that's all I really meant. And, yeah. and by the way, like, <laughs> I think if I didn't explain anything, and it was the same thing with the weird debate. It's really just a conversation about, like, what's less weird. There's different levels of weird. It doesn't make it doesn't, like that. Calling somebody, whether you're famous or not, out of the blue is still weird. We're just debating like what level of weirdness. So but it if is someone's like g- if guy. someone's going to call me from high school, I would rather the famous person call me than the boring one. But you, but my point, I guess, was you would rather the famous person because there's a strong likelihood that you know what the famous person has been up to. That's that's what I mean. Exactly. Years. That's it's all. More yeah. Interesting. yeah, yeah. It's just like a more comfort. Like, oh, mm. I, I, I heard his podcast the other. Yeah, like, exactly. I, somebody sent it to me because we went to high school. What? I don't know. Yeah. So that's all I meant by it. Yep. Yeah. I think uh, I think they I think they understood that and they were just having fun with. That. I don't. Know. Yeah. I don't know. Everybody who's who saw those social clips that I. Uh, interact with that like family that listens or friends like they all fucking agreed so i don't know maybe they're just kissing my ass but anyway do a bit of writing i think that'll help you ex- uh, I, I think that's good i think that's good advice um all right so the show now do you like kirk's idea moving forward to have mike chris and jared in for one day a week uh yeah i love more i'm always like a more bodies guy like i i always think that um I think it sucks that there's not as, and this is, this is an ongoing conversation since fucking radio.com. There's just, there's not a lot of bodies to get to be a part of the show in studio, unfortunately. So like, as every time he says, like, let's think of somebody new, he knows when he fucking says that we fucking came up with every goddamn name we can, we can think of my, the only difference between Kirk and I is like, I always think Kirk makes anybody and everything interesting. Absolutely. who gives a fuck who's sitting there? And it, whereas he just wants that, obviously, and it's fair, he wants that level of comfort, be it a fan who knows the show specifically, be it a friend who may not listen, but at least he knows them. So it's it's a hard thing to get right now, but I'm always in favor of, of more bodies. I definitely, and that's not like, a, that's not a shot at Mike or anything like that. I think in a perfect world, like Mike would be there every day and then there'd still be more bodies probably or somebody would be there every day and there'd still be more bodies so i have no problem with that. i like it. it it changes the dynamic of the show um it feels like he's interested in kind of changing that dynamic of the show not just with uh a different person in studio every show but also like wanting to do more interviews wanting to kind of bring up bring back that enough about me style and embedded into the KMS world. Like, I like that. I, I love that. And that's why I, I asked him for more names like that. So I like it. I think that's all a positive thing. And we're finding, and we're learning more about Chris too, by the way. Mm. Like it's, I feel like the last episode was a way different show than any of the other shows that Chris is, that Chris has done. And I know he was kind of rattled during it with whether it was the Carano and Jerry stuff or whether it was the weight family stuff or whatever, but they're starting to like learn more about Chris where the show's not just necessarily like movies and entertainment hundred percent 
we're it's getting more comfortable there. So I think it's I think it's a good thing. I think it's good for the show. I really like Chris. I mean, I've yep. always liked him. I don't listen to Quantum Week because it's not my kind of show. I'm not interested in that sort of old pop culture stuff. But I, I've always liked Chris. I actually really like his podcast. What is that? New Hampshire cast. New Hampshire or whatever. cast. Yep. Him, yep. That other co-host is way better than Carano. They have a much better. <laughs> well, you no, have a they, spat with Carano right no, now. Cr- I like Carano. I've, I've never been one of those Carano haters, but you know, Chris and this guy have a great dynamic. I'm going to binge yep. it, even though, I've never been to New Hampshire and I might never go. I'm still going to, um, no, I've been, I've been listening to a lot of it. It's, it's, it's good. One, like I'm the same with you. That wasn't a, a shot weeks ago or months ago at quantum week. It's just like, I can't talk like that. It was actually funny. We went live. Um, we accidentally adjusted. We went live on YouTube, uh, yesterday. And normally what happens is I send the feed and Justin clicks go live. It's different than some of the other things, whatever. But for some reason in our system, it just automatically went live. And as it went live, I was listening. I was trying to grab sound of Jerry talking to talking about Kirk for the show. And the first thing I hear, so we're live on YouTube. I don't know if anybody caught this. The first thing I hear is uh, Carano criticizing Eric Clapton's guitar playing. <laughs> and I'm like, and I, and I would, I think I was live when I said this and I don't mean it personally to Carano, but I'm just like, in what world are we criticizing Eric Clapton? So it's like, that's great. Like it's a super, super dialed in uh, type of podcast. It's just, it's just not, it's just not for me in that sense. I would rather, you know, talk about how I, I was, you know, fucking in the back of a car listening to Stairway to Heaven or some shit, then listen to like the intricacies of how Billy mm. Joel is more classical than pop or whatever. I don't know. That's just not me. But that's where the flip side is. It's like Chris is on that show. But then two years ago, he was on this other show where it was kind of like it was fun, Chris. And it was, you know, it, not, not KMS and. Yeah, not that he's not fun. I just mean it was different. So it's uh no, it's it's good. We're learning more about him and, and that podcast. We might have to track down Ethan. That podcast. I'm listening to a lot of that podcast too. So right. I mean, I think Chris will just get better and better. I think he's a, a real talent. I think he's good on the show. And you know, you look at how many episodes Mike has had to get where he is and have build that rapport with yep. Kirk. I've listened to Mike, you know, way back to you know, he's I can't even remember what his podcast was at EEI. Um but oh, yeah. you know, yeah. I can't remember, but I, you know, I listened, I've been listening to Mike for a long time and he had his chance full time with Kirk and it, it didn't work out. And I, I as a, a fan, I'm kind of disappointed at where Mike is right now because I think he's got a huge amount of potential. I mean, I'm not just blowing smoke up his ass. He's, he's very quick, you know, he's very quick and he can jump into comedy mode. He's got that natural feel for it where he can jump into a scene with Kirk and yep. he remembers stuff. And, you know, I think he, you know, unfortunately he, he sort of tripped himself up, but, you know, I think there's, you know, Mike could have a big future if he gets away from Craig and get some good people around him. I think he's a big talent. What do you think? Well, I think Mike's a great talent. I think he's great on the show. I've always thought he was, I've always thought he's great on the show. I think he's uh, I, the, I, I just think the kind of rapport between him and Kirk, I, I actually wasn't as critical about it. Even in the beginning, I thought it was good. I thought Mike, uh, I, I know he wasn't like a confident person, but behind a mic, uh, I, I don't know. I thought we were a little too critical of him early on. And I think he, I think he grew into it faster than people give him credit for. So it, I, I don't have anything really to criticize. I think he's a great compliment. He's insanely like, like I said, we don't talk much uh, behind the scenes. So for Kirk to throw something out there and Mike just be ready for it all the time. Like that's a major Testament to him. I mean, I don't, that's one of those things where I don't, I don't think people uh, not saying they need to, but 
it's like in radio or at least the radio I was used to, we're talking fucking rundowns that were sent the, the night before. We're talking fucking email chains. We're mm. talking fucking doing a two hour show and repeating it to make a four hour show. It's it's it is such a scripted uh, pre-planned thing that I, I don't think people give guys like Mike enough credit to be ready to bounce off of someone like Kirk where he Do you have a list of topics. Do you have like a Google doc? I have my, I put together my own so that like when Kirk says, what else you got? I have my list of like 30, but there's no shared things. document where you no and Mike. Wow. No shared you sometimes, just walk in cold. Sometimes there's like, Hey, here's this sound or like mm. it's, it's usually if there's stories like, we all walked in yesterday and we knew the uh, Joy Reid uh, sound was out. Like, we don't need to tell each other what is like the trending topics or whatever. But if we see some sound that we think maybe the other person hasn't heard or seen, we toss that out there. You know, that's basically what it has. But I, I put together like my own just kind of it's not a real rundown. It's just the list of list of stories. Go to topics, topics if you. Yeah. Kirk asked you for them. And then, you know, you see Kirk has like a pile of papers in front of him. Usually is that literally just the, the reads, just the ad reads, like literally Kirk comes in with everything in his brain, everything in the brain. Yep. It's just the ad reads. That's pretty amazing. Like, yeah, uh, well, I guess it's just the ad reads and right now still the uh, invoice from the catering is on the desk. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, that's pretty amazing that Kirk can just come yeah. in and do it. It's uh, no notes. I mean, I've interviewed a lot of broadcasters, about stuff like this and most of them like to at least have something in front of them not much even if it's just a word you know give you cues um something so you don't sort of you know what's next um, it's hard not to it's hard not to come off fanboy it's hard not to come off uh kissing the ass of your boss but there is no fucking broadcaster and maybe this is dramatic i don't fucking know there's no broadcaster that I've ever worked with for sure or ever been around that would have brought up that bin dog story yesterday. Just wouldn't it, like no. it, it wouldn't have. And that was probably the best segment of the show yesterday. You know, like that's the memorable portion of the show. So it's like, that's fucking wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like there's no, there was no preparation. Mike didn't know that was happening. It's so that that's where I say, listen, that's like, that's just who they are. That's how they want to do the show. That's what, so I, I, they're probably not looking for people to say like, that's impressive, but it's fucking impressive. <laughs> like, Bloody oath it. it is. Yeah. Yeah. What about other Minna fans? You know, we've obviously got Chris in there. Are there any other Minna fans who you've sort of eyed up and thought, I think they'd do well in studio. Um, Ones that are in local, obviously I can't no, come in. So I'm not, not, in a, not, not in a negative or positive way. Not really. Cause I no. just think that, Anybody that I just like I said it before, anybody that wants to go in there, I believe that Kirk can make a good show with them there. I just uh, I've mm. always believed that. So people can people like I think Chris said that like, he was making fun of. Oh, you wanted that W.E.E.I. girl. I don't give a fuck if it's the cashier at fucking stop and shop. Who cares? Like it should be. He's going to make something of that person. So I, I just don't think we have to always. Well, I think it, I think they need to buy in. I think whoever comes in needs to buy in to the whole KMS thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it could just be that girl from E. although she seems smart and everything. I do think you want someone who kind of gets it. You know, Jared gets it, even though he doesn't listen to everything. He, he knows where Kirk's going. He has a feel for the show. Um, yeah. I, I still think you kind of need that. Well, you're, you're, you're thinking it. I don't know if we have a case study on what it's like if they're not right. Like we don't have, I guess the only case study would probably be super early days with like 
I don't think William Bendenson was ever in studio. No, he was I just think, on the uh, phone. Who was the one that uh, when I had to ask her again, she wanted us to talk to her agent. Uh, who the fuck was that? Um, it was some political person in Boston. Yeah. And, and people like loved her at first or so. Or Sue like, O'Connell? Sue O'Connell. That's right. Yeah. yeah, Sue O'Connell. She's probably the best example of that. I can't remember. And those were that was so long ago at this point. But we haven't had like he hasn't. Well, had I that, guess, right? Yeah. I mean, even Jared, when there was a period when he was doing the show during baseball and it was clear Jared was literally just coming in. And that was it. Yeah, he yep. wasn't paying attention to anything else apart from baseball, but he was coming into KMS. Even then you could tell Kirk was getting a bit annoyed because, you know, you can't banter or anything because he doesn't know what's going on in the, the miniverse. So, yeah. Um, but don't you think there's build up to the, like, there's a build up to get to that point too, as long as that person is willing to get there. So like, let's say it's a brand new person that's never listened to KMS before. They probably have shit going on in their life or if, if they're in the media or whatever that we can, pick and prod at to some extent on that first show. And as you go into the next appearance, more things are happening with them and they're interacting with Mina fans based on that appearance. So yeah. it's like it yeah. can progress. Like, I, so I just don't think you Courtney to, Fallon, Courtney, Courtney Fallon's Courtney. a wannabe Mina fan. That's I played, true. I played a game show with her the other night. She'd sure, be I someone you could get in. I know That's, Kirk loves her. Yeah. I think like, so my, my stuff with like Kirk on that is kind of, I would suggest people, hopefully that he, it's probably the same thing with topics, right? That he's not already thinking about, like, it, it doesn't make sense for me to text him and be like, Hey, what do you think about bringing back? I don't know who, who's sat in studio. Like didn't Steve and Tim sit in studio? I like guess it's, it's not worth texting that because Kirk knows that's available to him. If he wants it, it's, he, he probably knows that Courtney, Courtney Fallon is available to him. If he wants it, my thing was always, can I think of a new name that, just it hasn't hit his, you know, he knows all the barstool people. He knows that shit. Is there somebody that's out there that maybe he'd be willing to try? The problem is, this is, like I said, this is a conversation that's been had for three, four years at this point. So, so I guess broadly then, you know, how has your impression of like what content suits this, the show changed since you got the job, you know, coming into it, you would have had an impression, but I I've noticed you've adapted so far, you know, just tell me what, how, how do you think that's changed? Um, I, I don't think it's changed uh, too dramatically in any, in any sense. Obviously if there's, you know, some kind of big trending story, that's not like, like if it's not, I know he doesn't like love the politics, so it's kind of staying away from that, but there's, sometimes there's things you can't avoid. It's usually that hybrid between, somebody's hopefully saying something stupid about whatever the trending story is. And then kind of the, not necessarily just the inside Minifan world, but like the world of Barstool, the world of Minifans. Like the, to me still, the sweet spot will always be like finding bad radio and analyzing it and shit like that, or columns like he did with Vindog or whatever. I love that. I love that stuff. So I don't know. It's just, it's not over. It's not overthinking it. You just kind of, you're just paying attention to as much as, as much as you can. Uh, hopeful, you know, and hoping, um, you know, hoping shits, you know, I'm always looking for the shit like on social media where somebody said something stupid or something like that. So I don't know. I, I feel like it's been kind of a lull it, it recently in that world. Like, I don't think anybody said a lot of stupid shit out there recently. And, and the fact that people are saying they're enjoying, you know, they're enjoying the, st the show still regardless just shows how fucking good Kirk is because there hasn't really been a ton going on. It's been all fucking Afghanistan, Biden, COVID, like everywhere that that's been everybody's attention point. So just always looking for the, you know, hopefully the, the stupid and funny stuff that, you know, that Kirk would enjoy. 
I love the drama. That's what I love. Going right back to the KNC show and then to this show. I've always loved the show drama. That's what it's attracted me to, to Kirk. Is What's the drama going on right now that you think is, is compelling? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, you've got the whole Chris and um, you dynamic and the Carano Jerry stuff and the, yeah. the Sacco stuff was... Um, you know, obviously a really good plot line. Has not been a lot of actually heavy drama in the last sort of couple of weeks? The Minifan world's been pretty quiet, but I just love the whole show stuff, the, all that stuff um, I find really appealing. So I think, but I also think you just can't have a whole show like that. Like then it's boring. It's got to be, as you say, a bit of bad radio, a bit of making fun of someone's stupid opinions, a bit of drama. Like it is, the balance is certainly getting there. I've noticed. Um yep. What about um, <laughs> what about when Stephen Van Sant um, came through? That must have been a, a big win for you because I think everyone didn't think it was going to happen. I even heard you in the wrap-up show where you're talking and then you say, oh, it's done, I've got it. And then you go, actually, I haven't checked like if it's actually recorded on the roadcast. Oh, that was, and that I, was just but, around, yeah. but I could hear the fear. Like I, I get it as a producer, you know, yeah. uh, you know, I've lost big interviews before it's shattering. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so um, I know where you're coming from, but you know, that along with God freedom, I mean, they're big wins for you already. They're touchdowns. Yeah. Those don't, uh, it's not like i I'm not trying to big time. Anything. I don't get like, I, I got a high off that because of the content that was created around Van Zant. Right. Like that was there was a high with that just based off of the fact that it was literally like a day by day, something stupid happened or whatever. And it was and it and it became a funny part of the show, which I like Godfrey. Like that was just like you booked him fine. Like I'm happy Kirk's mm. happy about it because he's interviewing somebody he wants to interview. So I'm happy, but I'm not sitting there like, yes, I did it today in any form. I kind of like I said, that's stupid. The show I did was booking fucking six guests a week. You become kind of numb to it and you become kind of just like it is what it is like there's only so many fucking there's only so many things you can do to get the guests some things are out of your control and, and shit like that and we certainly have things that are out of our control too because a lot of the a lot of the people kirk wants are used to dealing with uh barstool in a certain way that we cannot involve ourselves in so and i'm not saying that'll come up all the time uh but it's certainly come up recently so it's really it's, which uh, which guests yeah. were you talking about uh, Eastwood and then uh, it did come up with uh, which I know it's crazy but it's even when you reach out for like Clint Eastwood because it's through the movie still when you get those publicists they might offer you something else right so it's like yeah. I know it sounds stupid you're interview you're reaching out to Clint Eastwood but who knows what else it could transpire into or whatever it was that it's that new uh, prequel to the Sopranos and stuff so that's gone back to the Barstool right. publicists and stuff like that so it's not as dramatic but that's where I say you know, I kind of not need Kirk's help. I, I definitely need more names from from uh, from Kirk to get those types of guests. But out, yeah, the Steve thing was just crazy because it out, was like out of ten, what do you give the interview with Stevie? Uh, with the, I listened back to actually, I listened to it twice now. I listened back to it the other day. I give it a from my perspective, I'd give it like a seven or an eight. I mean, it was, it was super interesting. Yeah, no, it was, it was super interesting. That's just for me because obviously I'm not a Springsteen like super fan or anything like that. So, and, and I don't know that much about Stevie Van Zandt, but I thought it was, I like any kind of interview where it's just you're coming off like you're having a collaborative conversation versus a question and answer session. And that was a collaborative conversation. So it was compelling for sure in that, in that regard, definitely. And I think anybody who 
is a major Springsteen or Van Zant fan in general, it's gonna and likes Kirk is gonna fucking love it. So yeah, mm. no. So it it was great, and want to find I want to find more people like that for sure that he's into uh if he's i mean yesterday he was big on 90210 i mean if you don't think i've already reached out to jason Priestley, you're well not, you i know? have my own run in with jason Priestley, dave i was thinking okay. about this i once got into a lift with him in sydney yep to, we were just going up three floors it's just me him and the minder and i didn't work out at first and i look around and i sort of went brandon like what the fuck are you doing here yes, and then we, you know we we get there and we're you know we're on the third floor but yep. um he's he's short which is good for me um yes. So uh, I, Kirk's a brilliant interviewer. So I can't wait to hear Stevie Van Sant. Enough about me was, you know, Kirk has this way of what I, I think Kirk does is he's, he's obviously can ask anything, but he also, he brings his own thoughts to the table. He's not a passive interviewer. And I think that promotes a really sort of healthy um, conversation when he does interviews. And um, yeah, there's he, just nothing you can't do on air. Um, yep. What about Kelly Martin? You know, we talk about booking guests, Obviously, she books the guests for Barstool. Like, this is what I think is someone who books guests. You know, if you can say you're from Barstool and you've got this reach and it might go up as a blog that X million see it, um, you know, so you're kind of being hamstrung by the fact that you can't reach out to her ever. Um, have you ever thought of just sort of thinking, fuck it, I'm just going to go to Kelly Martin. I'm not going to no. tell Kirk. Like, Kirk doesn't no. need to know where the guests came from. No, I have never thought about that. The, the Kelly Martin, like, dust up. Uh, what was that? Was that the first week that I started? Yeah, that dust up was um, that was more like predicated on like me and and kind of like the onboarding process of Barstool, which was which was stupid. Uh, I should just rely on the onboarding process of Kirk Minahan show. But I just for some reason, I thought like you're supposed to notify the publicist who handles all angles of this of the guests you have. Actually, there's a I, I think I've given credit on the show to uh, Erica Nardini's weekly Barstool newsletter that Kirk says he doesn't get. And on that newsletter is all the guests that are coming up, big names or not on shows. Right. And, and so I think I had this imprinted in my brain that like you notify I don't give a fuck if it's a deal. I mean, if it's if it's like a fucking nobody, you don't. If it's a timely news guest, if it's Captain Random who said something on Twitter, you're not going to send her the message. But if it's a, a comedian who's playing a, a, a show at a, at a comedy club or whatever, I just had this imprint of uh, this stuff in my brain where I just thought, oh, you just notify them. I didn't ask for help booking them. I didn't do it. I just said, this guy's coming on. Goodbye. And if she said, I don't want you to have him on it, I would have said, Bad luck. Yeah, like it's it is what it is. So yeah, it hasn't been that was just kind of a probably just a I, I stupid little me being a bitch during the onboarding process. So I imagine practically if you're um a publicist and you get a request, I'm getting one from Barstool, say Kelly Martin. I'm getting yep. one from Dave Cullinane. It says Barstool exactly, as well. That's exactly what happened with the, the I guess the most recent one was the Sopranos prequel one. Mm. Is it said please please run all requests through kelly martin that's who we deal with and i just said i just responded back to her and i just said we operate under a different relationship just do it. Guess kirk won't know no but it's just not it. it has nothing no 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 but i am doing it but the no, point I'm is saying just run it through kelly martin kirk doesn't have to know oh no if he's, if no, he's interviewing no, no. clint eastwood he doesn't oh, care where it's come, oh, come from you're mad. and by the way like you're one you're a madman and two the amount of times that uh, it's like the amount of times that Kelly Martin is going to get us somebody that Kirk wants. It's probably not because Kirk ha wants a different type of guest, right? Like he wants kind of the nostalgia type of guest that he can go along yeah, for. Absolutely. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think like she booked like 
like top-notch wrestlers and celebrities and shit like that for Barstool this week. That's those aren't people that Kirk would want. So I don't think it would be um, a common occurrence that uh, we're going to need her assistance. It's just kind of if she has crossed paths with these specific publicists, it becomes a thing. But my thing is more like if you're the publicist you know, I didn't do anything like I came off. You come off polite and whatever. They should still want to help you in those situations for publicity. So uh, we'll, we'll see how all that stuff transpires. But yeah, but I mean, you can see if you're the publicist, you're getting request two requests from the same company. You're thinking, yep. oh, can't they just work it out themselves and then send me a request? Um, yep. All righty. So look, taking up a lot of time, Dave, but you know, enough about Steve cannot end without me talking to you about the Kirk Minahan network. Um, I guess I've, been slightly disappointed with what you've done around the main show i think and i get this you've had to focus on the main show so i'm going to give you a, a pass but i think it's it's time to get the kindling going like the kirk minahan network has legs um yep. where are the ideas like where are your ideas because i'm telling you I'm, for example the wrap-up show has never been worse than what yeah. it has oh, been lately well when was it when was it good? Well, well okay, okay, I'll tell you exactly when it was good. Yep. So when Justin had a different minifan on three times a week, that was good because you were getting three different viewpoints. Justin's yep. never interesting to listen to. He's not someone people want to go and hear what Justin has to say. But when he was having, you know, he had Andrew Augustus one day, Tim another day. I can't remember. There was like three minifans rotating. I think Rob would do it. Um, I thought that was at least better because you had then a different viewpoint. Two yep, topics fair. spoken on spoken on the show. So, you know, where are the ideas of yours? Like I've pitched you a proper rundown. So say you just cut all the bullshit and you say focus. I'm not going to do lots of extra stuff, but I just want to do one really good thing. Like, yep. why wouldn't you put Justin to work and produce a rundown? Uh, you know, with a rotating cast or, or something like that. There's tons of ways to do it. Yep. Um, to add to the main show. Yeah, no, I, I love the idea. I definitely, you're right. One, definitely more focused on the main show, as you would say. Uh, that's one. Two, it's kind of, um, I'm not going to say I got like kind of scared straight a little bit with that, like, it's not about you aspect, like, which I, I don't intend to ever do. So I got to rip that Band-Aid off and then just see what happens with Kirk. Like, I, it's I'm not trying to like produce content because I want to be seen. I, I want to produce content because I'm hoping it provides value to the fan base and, and gets people together and gets people communicating, gets people talking together. Well, you and Justin That's, are not going to do that. I'm sorry. No, 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 I totally get that. I mean, I think it's still, it's content about the show that, you know, whether you like it or not, I, I there are, I, I assume there are people that enjoy that just content is being created yeah, but, after the show, whether you like it or not, I get it. Uh, but I, I used think, to like the wrap up show when, Justin did it with minifans. No, that's, that's, that's fair feedback. I'm just telling you, like, you're, you're really the first one to then now say, I don't like the current show. This is what I liked better. You know? but, but, so you got to take generally, that. Where, where are these ideas? Like, you do the play of the hits. What I'm saying is, why couldn't you do something like a pre-show? Like, you know, like a live show leading into a live broadcast. I know it's hard to tell because you never know when you're going to be like, but you know, where's yeah. that? Where's the after show? Well, I've always, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to do like taking calls because I just feel like I'm not, I'm not a, like I keep saying on the show, I'm not a host. So I like the community interaction. So I'm totally, totally on board with that, with doing pre-shows and phone calls. And I think I did the watch along, which I actually thought a couple the first watch along went well. And what happened uh, to KMS Radio? So yeah, I KMS that was Radio a good is, idea. 
Uh, it was a good well, idea. It needs to be automated. Justin, just, I think the effort level of exporting all the things I was telling them there's different <sighs> services we can No, but like exporting 12 hours worth of shit was kind of fucked up. There are different services. Just audio. You just, you know, Podbay has all the MP3s. You just download them no, all, but like the, cut them all yeah. together. And then you've got a master track. You know, you know, it's a little bit more than that, but there are services you can use to like, uh, to automate those processes in a better, in a, the process in a better way for sure. But to, your point I, is I enjoyed that because people are stupid. People are lazy. So, and people have a tier, too much choice now. So yep. if no, I knew I mean, on listen, it, the biggest, the biggest uh, fucking media company in the world, basically now Netflix, right? Didn't they announce like, I feel like it's six months ago. A now channel, yeah, happened. A channel, right? And that, yeah. that's what I, I never know what the fuck to watch. I waste more time trying to figure out what the fuck to watch. But so you're, you're totally right. And back to your question, it's all fair. Uh, one of the things that I don't really understand is like where some of the other, where and why some of the other shows left. Like that's well, what I, I, this don't... Is what I want to talk about. This yeah. is what I want to talk about. Yeah. So, I mean, and what to do about getting um, them. Okay. Back. So I'm an experienced producer. I produce a lot of stuff, right? I yeah. know one of the big hurdles is time commitment. The, you know, these are just hobbies for people. They're not getting paid. So it's a bit like men is live. Like I can only do men is live when I've got time to do it, you know? So, um, I can't, you know, carve out time every week to do it. Um, so I think that's definitely part of it. So which is why I pitched to you that you and Justin produce the rundown. So people's level of commitment is just turning up. You know, you have a set of clips, you have the main topics for the week that you can just fling up there. And then you just, you know, all these people that have done shows, you put on a, a Google doc, you might have 15, 20 minute fans and it yeah. just rotates three it's, or four you know every I'll, week. I'll give you, yeah. And I'll give you credit. Cause it's when you did text me this idea, I actually, um, and this isn't why I'm trying, I apologize. I'm not trying to bring it back to me, but I remember when I started great thinkers, like it was three minute fans. And I think that was the first show, right? Like mm. that was the first fan base show. And that probably imprints in somebody's brain, like, okay, fans are getting involved in content. They're taking the time to do it. Why shouldn't I take it? Like, why can't I take the time to do it? Or, or I kind of, I'd be willing to take the time to do it more likely. So I think you're right. Like if we did either a wrap up, like you're saying, or a rundown, like you're saying, fans seeing other fans doing things is just a positive thing to see that maybe they start saying, fuck, let's create no, our own. Not, not only that, you take the work out of yeah. it. It's more than that. It's yeah. no. you just providing a structure because, you know, people have jobs and stuff. Yep. You, you're just saying, you know, the commitment I need from you is not producing a whole show and cut, yeah. finding the clips. No, no, no. Doing I, the I, notes. Get what, you know, I totally and, get what you and, and, and exactly what you say is why I first did an Aussie Minifan show, you know, almost 18 months ago was because I loved the Minifan show. Kirk was calling for content. And I thought, well, look, I can make content. Why don't I do something? Because, you know, you can't ex want it. You can't expect it without giving a bit back. Yeah, um, for sure. And yep. look, I've done a lot, but, um, you know, do you listen to Kirking Off, um, you know, the Inspector J show, any of those other things? Yes. Yep. I listened to it. I was on, I think I've been on Kirking Off twice. I listened to it. I, lo I love those guys. I want, um, we actually got sidetracked and I think it's more because you're right. Like we need something consistent and reliable on the network. Uh, and then we can build off of it, but we were going to put Kirk and off on the network at that point, And just, it would be audio because they do a podcast, but yeah. So I listen to all that stuff. I appreciate all that stuff. I love that stuff. I think I, I think, you know, I appreciate what you do. So I, it's not a level of, uh, 
I hope it's not a level of people thinking we don't appreciate that they're creating content because it's definitely. I just think that, the yeah. network needs that Mike and the Minna fans, that Justin and the yeah. Minna fans, something. Um, it's time to get moving, Carl. You've been there enough yeah. now. Like, you fucking like take the handbrake off. You know, fair criticism. Um, you know, you oh, judge yeah. that fat load. Justin sits there mumbling nothing into that microphone. I mean, get him to do something. You know, he can't do live shows. He's he's barely got anything to do now. Um, so yeah, that that's my advice. Fair um, criticism. Yep, and I appreciate your your passion behind it. You, I know, I know how you feel about the network, so mm. I, I appreciate it. Because for me, as someone that's so far away, the network's all I've got. I mean, I want to. I'd love to be in studio once with Kirk and have that yep. experience, but may never happen. Also, too, and I'm not saying you said this or anything like that, but you want to feel like you're producing a lot of content for the network, and you want to feel like that's valued. And sometimes just knowing it's valued is seeing activity on that page, seeing people involved, seeing that. So I, I totally get it. I totally and I loved Mike and the Minute fans. I, I, Justin and the Minute fans wasn't quite as good, but, you know, I just loved watching that weekend show and I thought it was great to add to the main show. You've got a little bit of drama to tease, even if it's just Kirk on a Monday coming in and saying how bad it was. Yeah. Um, it, it was still fun. Yep. All right. So, um, look, Carl, i got to let you go. We've been talking for almost two hours. Um, just last question, then. Thank you for coming on Enough About Steve, the Enough About Me tribute show. Having a, a one-time producer of Enough About Me is um, quite quite ironic. Um, so, <laughs> literally one time, like one one show. Um, I won't be getting Moroso on, that's for sure. Um, but, but I guess, you know, what is the sort of, what's the future for Carl? Like, wh what do you sort of predict for yourself? Because I guess firstly, I don't think Kirk's going to walk away. Like he says he is in two years, he might change his setup a bit or whatever, but there's no way he's walking away. So, yep. but, but I guess generally, you know, do you see, see your sort of career path as maybe doing a bit more at Barstool and where, what do you want to do? I, I don't really, I, I, you can probably tell I'm more of a live in the moment guy. I definitely, uh, I don't necessarily like if Kirk quit tomorrow because it's what made him happy, I would be happy for him. And I would say to myself, like, I'll figure out what the next step is for me. So right now, like I'm totally focused on, you know, growing within the Kirk Minahan show within the Kirk Minahan community and seeing where that, where that takes me in the moment. And I'm not really thinking like you guys can say it all you want, but I'm not thinking about like what this will lead to Barstool. I want to create no, the saying, best I'm product. Not, I'm not no, I, know. That. I know you're saying I want to create the best possible product that keeps this thing growing that hopefully more opportunities within this specific show happen that I, I don't know. Like I know Kirk says he may leave or may not leave. Hopefully it's, you know, it's growing and hopefully it's getting more exciting and hopefully it's getting funnier and hopefully all these things are happening that force him, that force his hand, right? Like that say, no, mm. I want to stay here. I want to do this. And I want uh, all these, you know, all this hopefully growth potential to happen. So that's like, that's where my mind is at. Um, and whether that's bad business by me, you as my mentor can tell me that. Uh, <laughs> no. I, I, I don't focus, know. Focus I, is good. I've always been that guy though. I've always been that guy to say like, you know, if, if, if I lost my job tomorrow, I'll find a way to, you know, produce something else or, you know, do production for a company or whatever, you know? So I, I, I try to live more about like be dialed in about this and, and then see what happens from there. Excellent. So I guess, you know, maybe being a program director like Craig is the sort of ambition. Not. 
that is not for me. <laughs> I am not. I will never be a program director. That's not for me. I think the I think the title of program director is a little off in that specific scenario. But uh, but yeah, we'll see where that one goes. Excellent. Well, anything you want to touch on before we go, Carl, about your experiences so far? Anything you want to ask me? No, I think uh, I think we we touched it all for two hours here. I think this was good. I think. Uh, yeah, I don't think we got into uh, the I, I don't know if we got into the Kirk kind of perception as a boss thing, which I think is completely like over. I think you hear it. Maybe you hear it. like Jerry brings up how tough Kirk is and stuff like that. he has been nothing but accommodating. I mean, to the point of moving shows because of like issues that I had behind the scenes and, and, and checking in on those issues and stuff like that. So it's been, uh, you know, super, you know, it, it's been a great atmosphere. It's definitely something I'm getting used to in terms of the content that we're producing, but in terms of like the work-life balance and stuff like that, it's been amazing so far. So I don't know. I'm very appreciative of, of the opportunities, you know. So um, so we'll see. Hopefully we keep it going. I don't know if I have any other. I'm trying to think of questions for well, you. I'm actually I'm actually pissed off. I don't have questions for you, unfortunately. <laughs> well, you did say you don't like hosting. So um, yeah, uh, look, I, I think Kirk comes across as a good boss. I think, um, I think part of it is the fact that he's sort of so technically – inept that he he does rely on people around him to literally get audio to air and stuff so he has to be a little bit benevolent but i also think like that impression of him you know he was in the high pressure radio industry at eei with all sorts of shit happening in the the background program directors murchison uh you know curtis and ken probably deserve being treated like shit sometimes so i think it's a totally different environment i do think kirk's still finding his feet as a boss. I actually think that's probably the, the next step for him is realizing that whether you want to or not, if you employ someone, you, you kind of have to mentor them a little bit. I mean, I think that you, you don't have to, it can be different levels of it, but I, I think, you know, maybe softer touch with Mike sometimes would have helped last year yep. and just little things like that. I think Kirk's trying to work out, but it, it doesn't come across that he's a bad boss. It depends. I mean, I, I don't know. And it depends on the type of worker that that you're working with. Right. Like, I, yeah, but that's you know, what I'm saying. Like, Kirk, yeah. Mike needed that validation last year. Yeah. And I don't know if Kirk would give it to him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know that specifically. You know, I didn't listen to a lot of that stuff, but I don't like I think I, I know he said it and it comes off of like, I, I don't need Kirk to say you know, Dave, you're doing a good job today. Right? Like, that's just not my personality. Yeah, I you don't, to... but maybe someone like Mike did. Like, Correct. do you maybe think somebody Kirk else would send Mike a message saying, hey, look, I just want you to know you had a great week on the show. Love love what you did. Do you think Kirk would do that? I don't know. He's done stuff like that in the past. I remember when we okay. filled in, he used to text us after the show. And I think, like, once you, once you gain more of a relationship with somebody, maybe you just feel like you don't have to do that anymore. Uh, I, th I don't think there's a question that Mike, I don't think Mike doubts that Kirk uh, appreciates him in any form. Yeah, he definitely knows Kirk appreciates the time, the effort, every every aspect of it. I know that happens, but you're right. Like now in, he in does. The boss but... Yeah, in the boss situation, like there are sometimes, and I, I got to learn a lot of that too. Like I, I on my end, like I, I'm kind of like him in the sense of if somebody's, um, if it's somebody's job to do something, you, you trust them to do it. And that, but that doesn't mean that you, uh, you know, ignore the process to get there 
you know, so that's, you know, that's stuff that, uh, you know, and I'm more of like a collaborative guy in that sense. I'll, I would never go like a boss. I, I, that's just not my personality to be like somebody's boss, boss. So it's more a collaborative team thing. So I don't know. I, I don't think it's like the, I don't think it's a major issue per se, but it's, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's still like, it is a mini business that you have to be focused on all areas of it. So. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that Kirk just comes in and the show starts. I mean, I think that's wild. And the fact that he just gets up and leaves. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I, what I do in that situation, but I just think it's hilarious that that's, he's like that. I mean, yeah. and I, it's interesting. Like I kind of get it. Like I, I like talking to people on podcasts probably more than I do like talking to them off of, off air. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's weird. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's something about like, if that's, if that's your line of work or if that's what you always wanted to do, there's like this comfort level with that microphone. And I, I, I don't know. I've seen it with other people. Like Howie Carr was kind of, I don't know, maybe it wasn't like that with Steve over time, but like he was super quiet off air and then he's fucking, you know, you know, Donald Trump's best fucking pitch man <laughs> in another moment. So it's fucking, it's, it's just wild, but I don't know. Now, now I'm used to it. So it's, it's normal. It's not, uh, it's not anything crazy, but, but yeah. So, but you know, it's like, then you get texts, like even last night we were texting about, you know, a lot of the stuff that you text about is more of like the big picture ideas. It's not the day, day in and day out kind of grinding the content ideas. It's kind of the, the next big thing idea. So, um, so, you know, and that's, you know, that means hopefully that he trusts you on the day in and day out. And now you're focused, you got to have that broad focus uh, for certain goals that you're trying to achieve. So I think you, I, I think you, and you, it's not that you talk about it every day, but you, I think you overhype the boss angle of Kirk from a negative standpoint. I think he's a better uh, boss and better, commu- like at least he's open and communicating honestly, whether it be on the show or not. Uh, that that's a positive. There are bosses out there who, you know, are fucking great to your face and then assholes behind the scenes and, you know, all that stuff. So I, I think he doesn't get enough credit for being just kind of a, a good collaborator with people that he works with. No, oh, yeah, look, I, I'm sure. And I guess last thing, can you kind of see, I guess I want to try and sort of paint a picture of what it's like for me, you know, listening to the show that, you know, so if I go back to the Kirk and Callahan days, I would stream it live and or download the podcast, and you know, then it would then it flowed into enough about me, and and all the while, you know, you popped in as the one-time producer, and then became this kind of character. Mike was doing his podcast, and he kind of popped in, and, and sort of now, like years later, it's really evolved into what. Um, Kirk was kind of, I don't know, the seeds he planted a while ago. He sort of made his world a reality. I don't know how to put it, but, you know, he does have this ability to sort of attract people and they've stayed with him. And and now, you know, it it kind of does make sense. You know, it was sort of feels like destiny. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I mean, we were even just saying, and I know he uses this terminology all the the time, it's no other podcast in the world, right? Mm. Like, Tim and Canton yesterday, did I say this on the wrap up yesterday? Tim and Canton called with <laughs> 11 names of Kirk's basically high school friends. And then 45 minutes later showed up at a sponsor's retail location with a fucking scale and a tape measure and then left and drove 45 minutes back home. Like what in the actual fuck? 
you but know, even, like, even more than that, like yeah. I, I, when you brought up uh, brought up Brandon Marshall spilling the coffee at a, a live they did a live yeah. show they did years ago. I mean, I remember that like it was yesterday. You know them that that where they you know that whole thing, and then Curtis did his announcement afterwards, and and then for like a week or two weeks after they would play drops of Marshall, you know, doing that and the reaction afterwards, and it, it's still so fresh, and you know, it comes up four years later. It's wild. No, it's it's wild. And you're right. Like, it's kind of his his vision coming through. And and that just shows like it's all, all that stuff. Like, it's always on the top of his head. Right. And it's always yeah. able to come up. And then it's and then it becomes part of always on the top of our heads. And it's so it is. It's wild. I don't think it's easy to define. I don't think there's much out there like that <laughs> in the in yeah. the in the world of media. So it's it's super unique. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't know what else to say. I don't know. It's just funny. Like people every a day doesn't go by where some fucking idiot doesn't say like, Dave, tell me the roommate story, you know, like what the fuck? <laughs> like, it's just, it's stupid. It's crazy. All right. Beautiful Dave. We'll run out of time. Thanks so much for coming on enough about Steve, the enough about me tribute show. Um, second guest following in the footsteps of Kirk Seamus Minahan. Thank you, Kirk, for everything you do. Carl, let the handbrake off now. Come on. It's time. No excuses. Um, you know, don't let Kirk put you off when he says, oh, you, you play slap and tickle with all the Minna fans. You do you and fucking go full ball because I, Kirk I, will listen, respect that. Listen, I appreciate it. I appreciate you. I appreciate the feedback, both positive and negative. I wish you were more into the hits. It's not my problem if you don't like music. That's your problem. <laughs> but uh, but I, I do appreciate it. And you will certainly uh, you'll probably see some of that shit uh, into put into action real soon, hopefully. So. Beautiful. Well, thanks for watching Enough About Steve. We'll be back with another episode. Quantum Week Chris is lined up. So, uh, yeah, tune in soon and thanks for watching.